Hello, and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show, House of the Dragon? My name is Gretchen, and I use they, them pronouns, and I am here with my co-host, Caroline. Hi guys, my name is Caroline and I use she, her pronouns and we are continuing our reading of the book Fire and Blood and we're at the very tail end of this one chapter. Oh gosh, what's it? Jaharis and Allison, their triumphs and tragedies. We're at the last 10 pages of it wrapping up the chapter. Uh, Page 261, the last full paragraph of that page to the end if you have a hardcover book is uh, the last bit of the chapter that we are reading. And this is a really cool section of the story. I really like it. Alisanne is a badass. My I girl. love her. She's so spicy in this section. It's Fucking great. The, the good queen establishing herself um, with some great callbacks and some, you know, changing laws and such. Mm-hmm. So do you want to start with the high level summary? Yeah. Let's uh, let's uh, take a bird's eye view or a dragon's mm-hmm. eye view, I guess. Ah, it's a dragon's North. eye view. Hey. I love that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the last section, Alisanne ended off doing her women's court in White Harbor. So this section, she's flying north. She gets all the way to Winterfell, um, gets to meet Alaric Stark, who is uh, definitely doing his best Stannis Baratheon impression. Oh, yep. We'll talk about that. <laughs> the most Stannis Baratheon character we have met so far, Alaric Stark. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep. yeah, he's real grumpy and... Uh, she wants to let him, she wants him to let her play Sims with his kids like she does everywhere. And uh, Yeah, she's like, what if they got married and had children? And he's like, no. And she's like, ah. And, but, so, oh, but I'm she good queen all over. the sand. You, you should like me. And he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, look at my other Sims. They're doing so well. Come on. That's great. Uh, yeah. So then she sticks around long enough and she charms him and he, you know, starts to, do cool stuff with her. Like, she gets to go hunting. She gets to look at the Winterfell library. Because she's um, a nerd. Alisanne just can't help it. I imagine that she was like, oh my god, I can't wait to see what's in the library. Dude, same though. Yeah, That's same. I, I want to know what's in that library. What did she find? Right? What did she, what did she fucking find? And we can talk about it. Um, <laughs> and uh, she becomes friends with his... T- so he's got two children. Two sons three. and a daughter. Three. I'm sorry. Three children. Two sons and a daughter. <laughs> bad, bad, bad at math. <laughs> You almost gave into the patriarchy there, Caroline, and only counted the boys. Oh, no. It's the patriarchy. It's happening. It's happening to me in real time. Uh, you read enough I, of this I, and you get patriarchy brain. Exactly. Uh, what I do love is this image of Alaric Stark trying to pet Silverwing. Oh, my God. It's just so funny. I was I want it so bad. I want it as an adaptation so bad. But, yeah, he does try to pet the dragon. I don't think he succeeds. Mm-mm. But he goes kind of close to her. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he works up the nerve to go pet the dragon. Um, mm. Meanwhile, Jaehaerys is having a very difficult time getting the Pintosha and the Tyroshi to get along. Meanwhile, Jaehaerys is having the most boring plot in the book. <laughs> he's, just, he's real struggling down there in King's Landing. Um, and this I wonder is this... why. I wonder why Jaehaerys on his own is having such mm. a hard time. Jaehaerys the conciliator. Mm, weird. Wow, yeah, I mean, mm. listen, Caroline, the Pintosha and Tyroshi are just really really tough people to negotiate with this is not yeah. our good our good king jaharis's faults no no did you know he's a great dancer 
Yes. Uh, and <laughs> very sexy and has a long braid of hair. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that. I love that. We'll talk about it again. <laughs> so anyway, this is this is what's getting in the way of him traveling north. He can't go north to hang out with his wife and Alaric because he's stuck trying to get these two people to get along and he's having a tough time of it. <laughs> um and Alison gets bored waiting for Jaharis to come up and you know to join her so she's like i'm gonna just go everywhere she goes to the wall mm-hmm. take an she's initiative like the first she's the first mm-hmm. targaryen to go to the wall yes she is is she is she also the last targaryen to go to the wall i think so she might even be the first targaryen to get to winterfell because i believe that aegon only got so far as the neck yeah aegon never went north of the neck there's definitely yeah uh, there, I, I think you're right i think no other targaryens have gone to winterfell other Targaryens in the future will go to Winterfell, but yes. the wall, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so she goes to the wall, and she's like, this is a lot. Th- mm-hmm. This is a big, this is a big boy. This, this is, is a big, the big wall. <laughs> this is big, big wall. Um, it's cool, though. And mm-hmm. um, uh, she has she, a good time. She wins over the Night's Watch. She's just winning over friends everywhere. The Night's Watch love her. She thinks mm-hmm. their food is nourishing and great. Um, she mm-hmm. finds a, she offers to spend some of her jewels to build a new castle, um, mm-hmm. because she thinks that the night fort is uh, a, a mess and they need a different <laughs> castle. She she either thinks that she tells them that like it's a mess and it's too big and it's crackling or whatever, like it's falling down, but she also just doesn't like the night fort and she can't identify why. It just feels weird. It feels weird. The vibes are all wrong. All wrong vibes, bad vibes, no vibes at the at the night fort. She's like, why don't you abandon that castle and build a new one? Because she's like, it must be hard to heat or whatever. But I'm like, I see you, Allison. I, I see will you personally here. fund this new this yeah. new castle from my own jewel stores. I got plenty of jewels. What did Allison know? Mm-hmm. What did Allison know? We'll we'll come back to that in analysis. Um, but also at the wall, in a similarly spooky vibe. She tries to take Silverwing north of the wall, mm-hmm. and Silverwing will not go. Refuses. Refuses three times. And she writes to Jaehaerys and is like, I pretended it was fine so the Black Brothers wouldn't be concerned, but, like, I'm very concerned. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't she let me go north? And then it's never mentioned again. Thank you, George. And then it's never mentioned again! <laughs> <laughs> what was going on? What's happening? Okay. <laughs> okay, so then she goes to Molestown. Man, mm-hmm. I just love Queen Alisande. She's like, you know what? I need mm-hmm. to talk to ladies. And they're like, there are no ladies at the wall. She's like, you gotta have ladies somewhere. Exactly. She's like, you're hiding the ladies. Show me the ladies. I know they're, they're here. <laughs> so they're like, well, I guess you could go to Molestown. But just mm-hmm. so you know, they're probably all sex workers. And she's like, great. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to the sex workers. Yep. So she does. She goes and she talks to them. And she hears stories that make her very upset. Mm-hmm. And um, will change the course of the Seven Kingdoms forever, mm-hmm. or whatever the text says. Yep. It's a very dramatic line. I mean, yep. that's th- th- basically it. Yeah. Um, Jaharis finally, um, this is the point at which Jaharis finally, like, threatens the Pentoshian Tyrosian to peace, is basically like, yeah. you really don't want Westeros to get involved in your war, and they're like, yeah, we really don't. Mm-hmm. Um... He basically says, if you don't come to an agreement, if you don't stop fighting, I am turning this car around. Yes. And we're going, I am coming back there with dragons, and you better sign this fucking contract. Right. And they do, and it turns out to be kind of a disaster, but they do sign Yeah, it. no one's happy about it. 
um, the Pentoshi princes murdered over it because that's what yeah. they do when they think that their rulers make a bad decision. They just murder them. So yeah, he's murdered. No one's happy about it. Um, Gretchen, but he gets they, to go they north. Sacrifice, they sacrifice <clears throat> him to their queer gods, Gretchen. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're queer. It's not murder. Yeah. Yeah, the queer gods just, you know, take him queer in. gods. Yeah. Yep. They say, give us a sacrifice. So then Jaehaerys finally gets to go north. Um, yeah. And uh, Alaric does not like Jaehaerys as much as he likes Alisan. Yes, because if you guys recall, Alaric's brother was killed, mm-hmm. putting down the rebellion from the Night's Watch, which was caused by the fact that Jaehaerys sent so many of those rebels to the Night's Watch kind of yeah. all at once. Yeah, the, the poor sons. we had talked about this previously. Yeah, the poor yeah. fellows and the, the stars. Like, he sent a bunch of the faith militant that had rebelled against mm-hmm. him to the to the wall, and they they rebelled, and so Alex Stark's brother died, and he's still pretty upset about it. Fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely fair. fair. Yeah. And what a power move for, like, the king of Westeros, because what Alex does is he takes him down to the crypts. Yeah. So, like, here's the king of Westeros arriving on his dragon, and you're Alaric Stark, and you're like, you know what? <clears throat> Fuck you, bro. It takes him down to the crypts and it's like, you see that fucking grave? That's my brother. That's your fault. And then just stares at him. And Jaharis is like, oh, sorry. That was not our intention. Like, we are like we give lots of, like, condolences. And Alaric's like, I'd rather have my brother than your condolences. Like, yeah. what a ja- fucking Jaharis was like, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alex's like, fuck Truly. your thoughts and prayers. I want your, my Truly. brother back. <laughs> You know, another example of something happening where Jaharis did not take any action. Uh-huh. Alaric's brother was killed and nothing... Yeah. Jaharis didn't get involved. I think the Night's Watch... Like, Alaric's people took care of putting down the rebellion and the Night's Watch yep. took care of any traitors. Jaharis did nothing. Yeah. He just was, like, not involved. Yeah. He didn't even hmm. send him a thank you card. Yeah, nothing. No no condolences, nothing. Yep. How very rude of him. Mm. Um... Very different from the other time a king goes north to the wall and goes into the crypts immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Where Bobby B's like, that could have been my wife. Like, that should have been my wife. If only Rhaegar had not stolen her. Mm-hmm. And Ned's like, but Ned's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, bro. <laughs> He's um, like, sure, Jan, okay. <laughs> um, so we end this section. There's a couple of pages that we're going to talk about because they're fantastic. Where Alison yes. is very upset about the first night. Oh, I love this section. The dialogue. I hope <sighs> the dialogue is similar to what actually happened. I know it's obviously in the Bale of History, etc. Uh-huh. Uh, but, man, what a great conversation. <sighs> I love it. She's so, so-, so she's real mad about the first night. Uh-huh. Did you want to explain? Yeah. So, the, yes. The right of the first night, for those who are unfamiliar, is that um, a apparently dating all the way back to the Andals, though, eh, you know, whatever. Mm. I don't know. We don't know how far back this goes. But there is Mm. supposedly a tradition where um, the lord of a realm, literally any woman that gets married who's like, lives in his land, he can have sex with her the first night she gets married. Mm -hmm. And it's supposedly this ancient tradition that's about, like, back when there were warriors who were super cool and every lady would have felt blessed to have a kid mm. with the mighty warrior of the kingdom. No one asked the women ever. Um, yep. What sure do the women didn't... feel? Said no one ever. Yes, yes. What do yeah. the women feel about being raped by a stranger the first night that they're getting married? Asked no one ever. They're like, mm-hmm. she probably feels great because my baby is going to be a big, strong warrior man. Exactly. Well, why else? Would, why wouldn't she feel great? I don't know. Like, Westeros said, what? what's the problem? <laughs> 
But um, it, the best example of this in A Song of Ice and Fire proper is um, Ramsey Snow. Yep. Ramsey Snow, from what Bruce Bolton tells us, is the product of uh, a, a first night that the that uh, Bruce Bolton still practiced the first night, which is illegal. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he's just doing illegal shit. And he came up co- upon a farmer who had married without his leave. Yep. And uh, raped his wife. Um, he, he hanged the farmer and then raped his wife under the tree where the farmer's body was hanging. Yeah. And then nine months later, she came and said, this is yours. And it gave him Ramsey Snow. Um, I don't know if George is doing some kind of metaphor or something there with about the being begotten by violence or whatever. I don't think it's great to put that on the baby because it's not the baby's fault. Mm-mm. But alas, this is where that, that is the story. That That's like the only example in the primary story where there is still right of the first night right as far as i recall mm-hmm. now we've encountered right of the first night in this story before with i think it was garth the gross or oh Ron yeah because mm-hmm. he's mentioned in this conversation the guest he yeah the guest right right he back um gargon Simpson. the guest gargon the guest uh, garth the gross i was close <laughs> <laughs> gargon the guest had been that guy in uh, in or about Harrenhal mm-hmm. who would show up to every wedding to do this and became so hated for it that um, a bunch of people killed him. Did the Red Dog kill him too? Was the Red Dog involved in that? I forget. Yes, now. I think that he was at least involved yeah. in the rebellion because after yeah. like a bunch of you know petty lords and knights like rose up against him and like murdered him and a bunch of other lords and. Right, exactly. It was a pretty big deal that, like, that, like you do it enough, and the small folk are like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. We don't like this. So Alisan's like, this fucking sucks, bro. And Jaharis is like, ah! Do we want to piss the lords off by taking it away? Jaharis is like, ah! And then they kind of argue back and forth a bit. We could, And we'll talk more about these specifics. But eventually Jaharis is like, well, I've been beaten yeah. I will change it. And then sure. they change it. Mm-hmm. And then they make, Gretchen, they make the second of Alisanne's laws. But I thought Alisanne couldn't make any laws. Oh, fuck. She can't make any laws. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> she is the neck that turns the head. Exactly. Um, oh, God. I hate that metaphor so much. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the worst. Um, the dirt, dirt worst. So, yeah, the second of Alisanne's laws is, uh, mm-hmm. is abolishing the right of the first night throughout mm-hmm. Westeros. Mm-hmm. And we love her for it, and so did we the small love folk. Her for it. Everyone loved yep. her for it. Turns yep. out, the people impact directly. <laughs> the people who suffer under it are really happy to have it gone. Yeah, it's so weird that like when you do something that helps and protects the majority of people, they're happy about it. What? What? <laughs> it's like when you and decide then... to give them clean water. Yeah, or like roads and safety and civility and not war and food and uh-huh. like. And maybe healthcare, U.S. government. You know, maybe <laughs> then they're happy. <laughs> um, so then another chapter ends on like a very positive note of it's like you've got your lovely king and queen. Everybody loves them. Jaharis is the sexiest man alive. He was voted sexiest man alive again for the tenth year in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's celebrating his tenth <clears throat> year being coronated, uh, or t- ten years since his coronation, which means he's twenty four um, and Alisan yeah. is twenty three. Yes. How can it be ten years since he wasn't? His coronation didn't happen when he was fourteen, did it? I think so. Oh, I guess he just didn't come. He still wasn't under. Yeah, because then. he okay, and yeah, Alison spent that year in Dragonstone. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, Alison would be twenty one. Twenty twenty one. I think she's. I think she's only a year younger than him. No, she was a few years younger than he is. Okay, 
at least. I forget how many. Off the top of my head, I forget how many, but she's a few. I don't think she was 11 when they got married, though. I think she was 12 or 13. She was was 13 when they got married on Dragonstone, but he, and he was 15. Okay. So two years. So two years. Yeah. Yeah, So So he's 24, 22. 22. Mm -hmm. Oh, my girl. She already has three kids. Jesus. Yikes. Uh, and there's the I mean, she's given birth to four. It was just that oh. one of them died. So, yeah, she's yeah. given birth to four kids in 10 oh years. Oh, Each. my God. Yikes. Get off of her, Jaharis. Yeah, I mean, well, it's good. she's going to have a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Next chapter, Lord. we're going to talk about all the other ones she had. Oh, my God. Just popping them. She's like, she is like one of my Sims. My Sims have lots of children. Uh, I need to populate the, the town. Anyway. Um, so that's what happens. Everything's great except winter is coming. Winter is coming. Ominous. Yep, ominous. Ominous. <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, it's a good section. I like this part of the story. Um, lots of theories about this part of the story. Yeah. From people. Oh yeah. yeah. People love to speculate. Yeah. Well, it's because Martin like drops these tiny little hints about, especially the relationship between the dragons and the North. And then mm. is like, we just not going to oh. talk about it. I was talking more about Alaric Stark. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. also a theory. Uh, that I don't believe in that theory. But anyway. I don't really buy it either. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. What was the maester thinking? Jaharis is so hot, though. Oh that's what God. the maester was thinking. Have you have you thought about how hot Jaharis Wait, I got to read this paragraph. Yeah. We need to, like, <laughs> this is, like, the most loving portrait of Jaharis. Okay. This is on page 272, right in the middle. Um, the callow boy that the High Septon had crowned that day was long gone. His place had been taken by a man of four and twenty. A 24-year-old. A man, please. Yes. Uh-huh. It's a baby. His brain's still not done for- forming. I know. He could still develop schizophrenia. Um, <laughs> a man of four and twenty who was every inch a king. Mm-hmm. The wispy beard and mustache that his grace had cultivated early in his reign had become a handsome golden beard shot through with silver. His unshorn hair he wore in a thick braid that fell almost to his waist. Tall and handsome, Jaharis moved with an easy grace, be it on the dance floor or in the trading yard. <laughs> his, sm- his smile, it was said, could warm the hearts of any maiden in the Seven Kingdoms. His frown could make a man's blood run cold. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, the imagery of, like, he's every inch a king, it hung thick, it hung down thick. Like, these, like, kind of, like penis descriptors yep he's I'm got like, a I real long braid i'm surprised <laughs> a real long braid i uh, i'm surprised it wasn't like he carried a big stick as he walked around you know like yeah I, uh-huh like, he's so virile this 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 just, uh, this like virile man with his big beard and his long hair and a braid i wonder why his hair is so long what's with the long hair jaharis yes like does that, that's not like a Targaryen thing that we know of. Not that we you know, know of, no. Yeah, no, there's no indication that any of the other kings kept their hair very long. He was just like the cool, hip, young king. I don't think any of the description, any of the illustrations ever give him long hair either. Like, I'm thinking there's that one really famous Not up to one. here. Yeah, there's one on like 293 where there's this like really beautiful illustration of him and Alisanne. And like, he definitely mm-hmm. does not have a long braid of hair. He's got a beard, though. Yeah, he does always have a beard. But, like... Yeah, where's his long braid? He doesn't have a long braid of hair. Also, what gets me about this specific illustration is that she looks like she's, like, 20-something. Like, she looks mm-hmm. like she's 22, and he looks like he's 40. 
Yeah. Like, they may, like, he looks really old in that picture, and he's not. It's weird. It's weird. Um, It's all weird. It's all They're brother and sister. Uh, It's all very weird. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, um, my snarky comment was, was he muscled like a maiden's fancy? <laughs> he was just so good and the best. Eyes, eyes also... like mountain lakes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. But then, then the, the text does go on to be like, Jaharis was cool, but yo, Allison, though. We all love Allison. But it, She's like, great. gives her, like, a sentence. It's like, he also... Had a sister wife that everyone loved and three kids. Mm-hmm. Like after this long loving description of like how what De Harris looks like, it's like also um, his sister wife. Everyone loved her, and mm-hmm. they had three kids. And I'm like, what? Why don't we get like a loving portrait I, of the amazing I, Queen Allison? I think part of that is that Allison is already known as the good Queen Allison. Uh huh. This maester does not need to do anything to bolster her. But he's got to bolster Jaharis. Yeah, he's got to be like, good um, Queen Alison had a... Oh, man. Good Queen Alison's husband, though. Wasn't he, Yo, like, but have hottest? you heard of his... Uh, like, he was so hot, and he was so great, and, like... Like, because he's only known as the conciliator and then the old king. So being the old king just means you fucking lived a long time. <laughs> the conciliator is a word that's, like... It's a positive word. It's good to conciliate, but... It's not the good Queen Alison. Like, mm-hmm. the good Queen Alison is, like, she is in history like that because that is what she was. She she put in the work yeah. to get there. And the maester is desperately trying, I think, to get Jaharis to match her reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't think he ever does, nor do I think he actually can. Uh, because she can be good in a pure kind of way without having to be scary. Because she's a woman. He always has to be kind of scary. So I don't think it's possible, really, for their... Um, their reputations to be the same. Yep. Uh, yeah. The maester is trying. He's trying. Yeah, I like that idea that, like, at the end of this section, that was basically, like, Alison, like, literally charmed the pants off of everybody and was able to get a bunch of shit done and with people who, like, you would not expect to be nice to her. Like, she mm-hmm. did a bunch of accomplishments and, like, Jaharis was also here and, like, kind, yeah. of, <laughs> kind of failed at his job. That it's like, but, you know, Jaharis, real hot though. Mm-hmm. Everyone loved him. All the mm-hmm. ladies, you know, like it's purely about his appearance as if like that's the only th- that he's like, that's what he has to fall back on. And his smooth dance moves, Gretchen. Yes. Have you seen him on the dance floor? Ooh, no, I <laughs> I'm have I'm just imagining, I'm imagining the terrible dancers from House of the Dragons. <laughs> I love House of the Dragon, we all know this, but, like, the dance scene at the wedding was kind of, it was kind of a lot. It was a lot to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It was a little bit cheesy. Yeah. Um, and then another another angle is that the, the lens, the reflection of the king. So, we've talked about this before. Again, the tying this, like, the fact that the realm is prosperous to the king being good. But, like, yeah, that's very, that's yeah. a logical progression. Right. You know? Right. They're, like... Yeah, because after this long, loving description of Jaharis, it's like, and also the realm is doing really well, as if, like, these two things are, like, linked, logically. Like, we are, like, Mm -hmm. the maester is trying to paint a portrait, quite, like, kind of, like, quite literally, like, a visual portrait of, like, this, this virile, powerful, attractive, fertile king and his beautiful wife and their beautiful children, and then going, 
and look at the realm. It's prospering. Mm -hmm. Everyone's crops are waters. There are roads. Everything is mm -hmm. great. As if like that flows from the fact that you have like a really attractive virile king. Right. What it really means that you have a really good land. <laughs> right. But what it, and what it actually flows from is that like you have some people in power who are finally not like being violent and actually doing like good laws. Mm -hmm. Like right. that's what it actually flows from. Yeah. It flows from the fact that like we're not fighting and we're like trying to like rule correctly. Mm -hmm. Not that we like look hot doing it, you know. Yes. So. Um, yeah. So let's kind of dig into let's dig into what really happened in this section. Alaric Stark. Alaric Stark. I gotta say something. I love Alaric Stark. I love. Him I, too. I love the. I love the sass. I love that like he gives no fucks who Jaharis is. Mm -hmm. He's like fuck you, bro, and he's just. I, I like him. I think you're right. He. I didn't hadn't thought of him as the most Stannis like character, but he is. Yep. He is the most Stannis like character. Yeah. Like you read this description at the very beginning of this section on two sixty one. Um, Lord Alaric had a flinty reputation. A hard man, people said. Stern and unforgiving. Tight-fisted, almost to the point of being niggardly. Humorless, joyless, cold. Like, you read that and you're like, who does that remind me? Like, hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like it reminds, like it's that description that, um, oh, I can't remember who it was in A Song of Rice and Fire, but who talks about like, you know, Renly is copper, he's shiny, but not all that sharp. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Stannis is cold, I like, is iron, he's harsh. Yes. Like, an unbending. Like, you just read that description, you're like, oh, like, it sounds like Stannis Baratheon. Yes, it does. I do also wonder how much of this, this description of Alaric Stark is colored by the fact that he is in the North, because, like, one of the descriptions is being cold. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it's like, do you get it? There's snow there, you know? Uh -huh. Like, I, I wonder how much of it is like, well, the Northmen are, like, they're emotionally chilly and it's like oh. yeah that the like the people just because it's physically chilly doesn't mean they're emotionally chilly <laughs> well, yeah that like the idea that like the people take on the characteristics of the environment that they live in exactly exactly um, similar to what we we're just talking about with like the king and the land right but also like if i lived in a land where it was mostly winter all the time i might be a little cranky um i would be so cranky <laughs> that is true <laughs> I'd be the crankiest. <laughs> um, but, like, much like Stannis Baratheon, he is not all that he appears to be. And this is one of the things I mm -hmm. like about Stannis is, like, we find out. It says that, like, um, you know, the more Alaric warmed to her, the longer the queen stayed. He was careful, but not niggardly. He was not humorless at all, though his humor had an edge to it, sharp as a knife. And I was like, again, like Stannis, like... Mm -hmm. people are like oh stannis he doesn't know how to have any fun i'm like no you just don't understand his humor he's mm -hmm. like and unlike the bad show he's not a grammar nazi like that's not how stannis has fun stannis is just like dry he's like dry as fuck mm -hmm. in his humor and you can't always tell that he's joking but he's definitely joking right that is exactly. one of the things i love about stannis baratheon is i love his humor yes yes i i, I agree and i think What's interesting here is that um, the 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 big theory people have about Alicent and Alaric mm -hmm. is that they have like a love affair, yeah, of some kind. I think that concept is totally shot in the foot by the fact that Alicent goes to the wall. Because if she was having like fun, sexy times with Alaric Stark, she wouldn't be bored in Winterfell, right, <laughs> and leave. Uh huh. Because she wasn't supposed to. She wasn't expected at the wall. It was like her idea to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what makes more sense to me is Alaric has a daughter, Alara who's approximately yeah. um, Alicent's age. Mm -hmm. And my guess is that he, part of warming up to Alicent is just that she's a nice person and she seems to 
be friendly and she knows how to use the trappings of power and kindness and her social acuity to get what she needs Mm -hmm. you know uh, a woman's armor is courtesy she knows how to use that um but i'm sure she reminded him of his daughter Mm -hmm. and i'm sure the fact that she was nice to his kids yep because he seems to be a person that likes his children doesn't hate his kids one thing i've learned through the past few years of all my friends having children is that when people have children if you're nice to their kids they are so thankful for it because every parent is afraid mm-hmm. of someone being mean to their kid and i imagine alaric is greeted by this like girl who's the age of his daughter mm-hmm. so like this kid yep. who's claiming to be queen and she comes with her dragon and she thinks she's all powerful or whatever and at first his manlyhood and his masculinity is like bristling and like how dare you come to my castle etc and then you know then she's nice and she is just like his daughter and I could definitely see him warming up to her because of that mm-hmm. as part of this. Right. Not not a and then they had sex kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't I don't really I don't really get that vibe either from them. Yeah. Um Yeah. Uh I also really enjoy um that he's really spicy about Jaharis. Not just when Jaharis gets there and is like, let me take you to where my brother died and like feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this comment i feel bad you should feel bad right i mean he should feel bad he should have done something you should have at least like i don't know done some kingly gesture of like do you want money about it or like can i support you about it or like can we can we honor your brother somehow for the fact that Mm -hmm. he lost his life putting down a rebellion that like i'm kind of responsible for um but jaharis didn't do any of that um but like when alisan arrives and Alaric is, like, grumbling about how many people are going to be there and how many people he has to feed and how it's almost winter and they can't take care of it. Um, mm-hmm. He says, um, he would receive their knights and ladies when they got there. He said, and the king, too, if he can find the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. Like, I don't know why he's making fun of Jaehaerys's ability to like ride the dragon and get there on time. You know, whatever. But I, I was just like, was like, finally, a person who's not just like utterly taken in by the Targaryen propaganda machine. I want to. If I want Alaric Stark to have had access to Twitter, so I could read his mean tweets about King oh Jaehaerys. You know, yes. <laughs> that would be the best. He would absolutely <laughs> subtweet Jaehaerys. Yeah, I would. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh, so sending all those guys to the wall doesn't seem like a great idea now, huh, Jaharis? Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, he, and he, may, he actually makes a really good point about that in the text. In this portion, he says Jaharis sent all those people, um, which was a bad idea, like, politically because of, like, their political stance. But also, like, the Night's Watch couldn't absorb that many people and feed them all. Yep. There was, like, an issue in terms of, like, yeah, the wall needs men, but, like, not in the thousands yeah. You know, because we can't absorb that amount of people at, all at once. Yeah, that was a really good point. Like, you can't just, like, send that many people all at once and expect mm-hmm. them to be able to support them. Like, when you when you mm-hmm. have, like, a town that's only been supporting, say, like, 400 people, and you've got an influx of, like, 2,000, like, that's not going to work. You don't have the infrastructure to support mm-hmm. that many people, and that was what was happening. Exactly. Uh, the last cool thing about Alaric is that he had a Mormon wife. She's dead by this point in time in the story, of course. but that's so cool. She seems God awesome. Him. She seems she, does. she killed. She killed two wolves and made a use their skins to make a cloak for him or something like that. Yeah, she tells the story. Oh man, she sounds she badass. Sounds so cool. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's 
that's part of also why maybe he was able to come to respect Alisan is that he the northern patriarchy is different from the rest of Westeros. Mm-hmm. There's like right. there's less it's not not present, but it's less the, the gender roles are less fixed right. because of the necessity of like needing to live. Uh-huh. Uh, and the Mormons are are a great example of that. Right. Yeah, they're more likely to respect competency even in women um mm-hmm. up in the north than they are in the south because yeah winter winter is hard and you cannot mm-hmm. afford to have people to have a class of people who don't contribute much um, exactly who are not involved not just in like the economy but in like just like everyday labor um mm-hmm. you need to be able you know being able to hunt and fight is not just like a thing you do to like fuck with gender it's like a thing that might be survival necessary in the north Mm -hmm. so like a woman who like kills wolves and makes a cloak out of it is like yeah because those are useful skills in the north to be able to do that when it's winter exactly we need cloaks we need fucking socks man somebody gonna be knitting socks okay (laughs) (laughs) remember the bad show oh my god i try not to yeah, let's, let's not remember the bad show. Let's talk about Jaharis the Conciliator. He's so good at conciliating. <laughs> oh my god. I had totally, for, for whatever reason, I had forgotten about that he was called Jaharis the Conciliator until you said it earlier in this when we were recording. I was like, oh man, I need to put that in there. That like, oh, Jaharis is failing so badly at his job and this is his job. Like, he's supposed to be the one who can... Who can like conciliate between people, and he did it so bad. So I'm gonna ask the question, burning in everyone's mind: Why, Why is did you hear the conciliator have such a hard time conciliating? Hmm. Hmm. Why do we think that happened? Hmm. Hmm. He, he was just feeling off his game. <laughs> uh. Maybe Great he evidence. was. Maybe he was suspicious that. Alisan was fucking Alaric Stark. I don't know. Like, I mean, the real answer is because Alisan's not there. Right, exactly. <laughs> the strongest evidence we have so far that Alisan is, in fact, the neck turning the head and is the brains behind this operation is that once she is gone and Jaharis is left with one fucking job, she <laughs> can't fucking do it. Right. Right. And, and like, know- the- go ahead. I was going to say, we know they're writing back and forth to each other because the text uh, acknowledges that when Alison goes to the wall, she writes to him. So we know they're writing to each other. So they're sending, like, daily emails. Mm-hmm. I am sure that they included shit like, Alison, they're saying this crap. What is that? I don't know what this means. They want, the, <laughs> they want this island. I don't know. They're mad about this thing. Why? I don't know what that is. How do, what do I say? You know, like, I'm mm-hmm. sure he was asking her for advice of what to do. And so... In my mind, Alison's not only handling all the shit at the wall, but she's also every night having to write letters to emails back to her husband being like, okay, have you tried doing this? <laughs> have you considered maybe conciliating in this in this area? Maybe use the dragon, huh? Have you considered throwing a dinner party? Yes. And having them, like, drink some alcohol and hang out together for a while. Fucking brilliant. You guys can't see. I, like, threw my hands around the screen. <laughs> It, that would have been exact. That's exactly what Alison would have done. That's she would have exactly yes, what she, she would have done. charmed the pants off of them like she does. Like we, yeah. It's part of what I love about this section is putting these two things side by side. Is that like yeah. Alison is just coming in and she's just like charming people and like listening to people and like doing mm-hmm. all the right things. And it's like meanwhile back at King's Landing, Jaharis 
was really struggling to get anything done. Like, yep. J. Harris was like, but look at how long my braid is. Can't you tell I'm supposed to be in charge? <laughs> Please sign the treaty. And like, to definitely have a pun, like the contrast is very stark between what's happening in these ah. two sections. Hey. Ah, um, hey. But a ch- <laughs> That, like, he ultimately has to threaten. Like, he ends with basically just saying, like, you really don't want me to come back there with my dragons, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're like, fine, yes, we don't. Like, we'll agree to anything. And Which everyone hates a, it. It's such a dick move as the mediator. Right. To be like, if you don't sign it, I'm going to burn your towns. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the conciliator I, at work, the Caroline. Conciliator. <laughs> That's so shitty. I'll conciliate you with my dragons. That would be like if like a like a lot of mediators, like legal mediators, are former judges, because after you retire you could be a mediator. Um it would be like if a mediator, like a a former judge was like, if you guys don't agree to this divorce, I'm gonna have you both imprisoned. Like, no. Right, right. This is it's like so the, fucked up. This is like the U.S. style of conciliating, which is basically like y'all need to get along, or I'm gonna nuke. Mm. I'm just gonna press a button and send some nukes your way. So like y'all better get J- along. Jahara said we don't negotiate with terrorists, so you better sign this, or suddenly you're a terrorist. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you and we burn terrorists. That's what we do yeah. over here. Oh. I bet Allison wrote him a letter and was like, "Have you considered like using the dragon?" But like you know. Like, gently. And then he was like, I'm going to burn you unless you sign this. <laughs> she probably got back and was like, what happened? You had one job. Literally you had one, one job, job Meanwhile, I did five things. Yes. I got the whole North on board. You had one job. Right. Alaric Stark uh. thinks I'm the best. I'm going to marry off all mm-hmm. his kids. Um... I'm building a new castle. I got more mm-hmm. land for the watch, and you had one job, mm-hmm. and you failed. And no, and yep. everyone went home very upset, and someone got murdered about it. <laughs> like, someone was straight murdered because of what you did. <laughs> and you know what? I bet your Harris says fucking nothing about it. Right? Yeah, he's not gonna do. He, what the fuck is he, he gonna do? He lets that problem fly away into the wind and never thinks about it again. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and like. What gets me is, like, after all of that, and she's been super competent, and he failed at his one job, and she's like, okay, I have one more thing I want to do. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it, though. Uh, so you, do you want to talk about the uh, the law? Um, no, I wanted more? to, like, there was a little bit more I wanted to talk about with Jaharis, which I thought was really interesting. Sure. That, like, um, Alisand, like, Alisand, I think that some of it is... I mean, clearly they have different skill sets. Clearly they're different personalities. Allison is very competent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jaharis is not used to, like, having to actually do this kind of work. And there's a level of, like, privilege involved. But also mm. there's a level of, like, he wasn't trained to do this specific kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm thinking about what Allison does when she goes north. She's, like... Um, listening. She, there's that quote about, like, a good queen knows how to listen. Um, mm. She has empathy. She's not judging people's ways of life. She's basically just going up there and being like, show me how you do things and let me know how I can improve your life. Um, mm. And I'm remembering that scene very early on when they first get to King's Land or, like, when they're still pretty young and, like, 
Jaharis was the boy who sat and quote unquote listened while the lords talked to him. And we yes. were like, is he listening or is he just sitting there? Like, mm-hmm. what is he actually doing? He's not doing anything. They're just they're just saying shit at him and then walking away feeling better. Right. Um, but is that really listening? He didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as far as we know from those co- for those talks, he didn't. He didn't do anything. Follow up. Yeah. Yeah, no, he never followed up. But, like, it seems like Jaharis in might like, meanwhile, while he's doing that, like, sitting there and letting people talk at him, Alisan was throwing parties for people. Like, she was right. actually learning useful skills for, like, how to get people to interact with each other. And, like, you know, she, it seems like Jaharis might be struggling right now in part because he wasn't given actual skills in negotiating with potentially hostile parties that like no one actually taught him how to do this or gave him any skills that could translate into this job meanwhile Mm -hmm. alisan was like yeah i mean and if you think about all the times alisan like wants something she more or less she always gets her way whenever alisan decides like i'm doing this thing Mm -hmm. um like the waters the water fountains a few episodes ago we talked about where the the guys were like oh we don't need water and she was like here's some fucking sewage water I'm not bringing you any wine. You're drinking this or you're doing something about it. That's like genius. Uh-huh. That's like really high level negotiation skill. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you want it. Like, this is what it's like for everyone else. Mm-hmm. You don't understand because you don't see that. Um, and yeah, Jaharis wasn't given that kind of training. But then it, it makes me think and question, why is he known as the conciliator? If he's not really that good at this from what we've seen so far mm-hmm. and what i'm thinking is it wasn't so much that jaharis himself from what we've seen thus far had any kind of natural skill for negotiation so much that it was that alisan did mm-hmm. and he listened to her yep yeah and he he valued her and he valued her opinion as a like as an equal mm-hmm. and treated her mm-hmm. as an equal yeah and that's really interesting when you think about our over we're not at themes yet but when you think about our overarching themes um and the fact that one of the strongest targaryen couples is similar to the original targaryen thruple where the the parties are treated equally and the women are are given Mm -hmm. equal or as close to equal as possible power over the rulership right and that that led to prosperity Mm -hmm. yeah yes um yeah because like it seems as if a lot of i'm thinking about that opening scene that we were just talking about or that that early scene where like jaharis is really good like this is going to this is going to sound like such a judgment but he's the kind of character kind of like Aegon, that people can project things on mm-hmm. um that may or may not be true but you can't say they're wrong like, Aegon mm-hmm. gets this, like, reputation as, like, a decisive conqueror. And you read it, and you're like, is he, though? Mm-hmm. Is he? Is he the or... one doing this? But, like, mm-hmm. it's easy to project that on him based on the events. So, like, I feel right. like something similar is happening with Jaharis, where, like, Jaharis is actually also, like, Aegon fairly passive. Mm-hmm. Like... But that makes him really easy to project on. That you can take mm-hmm. things that are happening around him and be like, well, if they're happening around him, he must be doing them. Like they're just like everyone's just mm-hmm. kind of projecting like 
the work that, you know, uh, that a lot of Alisane is doing, but also Septon Barth. Like, like Septon Barth is clearly behind the scenes also doing a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, all his work is also being projected on the king that, like, what makes Jaehaerys good in this role is that he can be easily projected upon precisely because he's kind of so bland as a person. Like, he, you know, like, mm-hmm. you can't really project on Magor because Magor had yeah. some very clear, distinct personality type like they were mm-hmm. you know and like yes Amy's failed because the people around him also failed like he was a fairly blank person but like didn't have anyone around him to make up for the fact that he was fairly like a non-entity mm-hmm. as a king right it's you know it's kind of similar to it's like in it's like in real life um where people project a lot of things on the president mm-hmm. like at least at least here in the united states Anything that happens in government and politics, everyone blames whoever the president is at the time. Right. Which is sometimes fair and sometimes not at all fair. Mm-hmm. You know, because there are, like, we have, like, le- like actual written out in our constitution separation of powers things that the president has absolutely no control over. That's, like, all Congress. Yep. But it's hard to be mad at over 400 or 500 people. <laughs> you know? It's, like, it's hard to be, like, ah, damn that, and then sit there and list all the names. You know, like, uh-huh. you, it's easier to have one person... To either give credit to mm-hmm. or to to give anger to uh, or critique to. And I think that's a lot of the role of the king of Westeros yeah. is that, um, you know, and I, I, it's, it's bad in that it erases the work of others. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then there's the gendered aspect to it as well. That means that women can never fulfill that role right. uh, because of the patriarchy. But that's a very natural human kind of thing to do mm-hmm. and, and, and to project onto people that you don't actually know. Right. Um, things that you want to be true about them because they're true about yourself. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're trying to see yourself reflected in your ruler. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets this reputation of being like a conciliator. He's so good at negotiating because because the realm is so peaceful throughout so much mm-hmm. of his reign that it's like, well, he must be doing something to make that happen. And what mm-hmm. what could he be doing but making peace like Mm -hmm. that peace isn't like the natural outflow of like when you don't have war the only other state is like peace and prosperity kind of that like Mm -hmm. they're assuming that he's doing something that like he is actively Mm -hmm. making peace happen rather than just like well when people aren't fighting they just kind of live their normal lives and that's very exactly and that's peaceful so much it's that road not taken thing again it's just like you know because it worked out for him you know, it worked out for him and his sister wife. It didn't work out for, um, was it Aenys who had the sister wife? No, Aegon and Reyna. It didn't work out for them. Mm-hmm. So that was, he was a failure as a king. Right. But it worked out for Jaehaerys and Alicent for a lot of reasons. One of them is that Jaehaerys and Alicent are nice people. Yeah. They're not to take, not to take away from the fact that they're nice people and they seem to be genuinely concerned mm-hmm. with the well-being of the realm. Right. You know? And I do think also, uh, there's a great quote. What's it from? Oh, it was from Rent. <laughs> from the musical Rent, the song La Vie Boheme, they say, uh, the opposite of war isn't peace, it's creation. Mm. And I like that a lot. And I think Jaehaerys and Alicent really embody that yes. more so than previous Targaryen rulers did. Right. Because, like, Aegon and his sisters were focused on, like, getting shit under control. Mm-hmm. And then ship kind of went south for a few generations where everything was a little bit mumbo jumbo. Right. And now we're finally at a place where it's like, oh, maybe we should have roads here. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should have water here. Maybe we should not let people be raped all the time. You know, maybe we should do things that are productive and, and creative, that create 
phys- like yes. literally physically create. Yep. Uh, and that's part of this peace and stability that people like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so totally a team effort. Yes. Yeah. 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 And really kind of what I wanted to point out there is like Jaharis is being failed. Like if Jaharis mm. doesn't have these skills, it is because he was failed. And I think it's because a lot of these skills are coded feminine. Yes. You know, like, Absolutely. who are the people that are taught how to, like, throw a party to get people to get along? Well, it's the women. Like, the, mm-hmm. it's the, quote, feasts and frolics that, you know, that Ariane is, like, kind of, you know, snippy a lo- little bit about, about, like, oh, feasts and frolics. Mm-hmm. But, like, feasts and frolics are really important. Like, feasts and frolics yeah. are how you bring people together. Just like Alisanne mm-hmm. knows, like, weddings are what bring people together. Like, li- quite mm-hmm. literally bringing people together. But, like, yes. Alisanne... But Alisanne was taught these things, was taught that these were important Mm -hmm. and that this is like that this is how you unite people and bring people together is you have dinner parties, you get people married, you like you listen to them. Like Mm -hmm. I'm also thinking about how much of her young education was about how to make people like her when they might be predisposed to dislike her because of incest. Like her education as queen Mm -hmm. specifically was about how to make people like you. Was like, people might not like you because incest. So, like, she was specifically educated in how to get people to like her. And, like, we're mm-hmm. seeing the fruits of that. Is that she's very good. Like, she's developed a skill in how to charm people. And so much of it is, is it's not just because, like, she's a charming person, whatever that means. It's like, she's doing things. She's listening to them. Mm-hmm. She's having empathy for them. She's not acting like she's above them. Like, mm-hmm. she's coming into the Night's Watch, and they're like, I'm sorry, our food is bad. She's like, your food is nourishing, and that's all you need. Like, yeah, exactly. That's how you get people to like you. And, like, mm-hmm. Alisanne is good at it because she was trained at it. And, like, I'm looking at Jaharis. She's been and, doing it. Yeah. She's been doing it now since, since she was 13, let's say, roughly. Yeah. And she's 22. So it's been almost 10. She's had almost 10 years mm-hmm. of doing this. Yes. I mean, she's getting experience at it, absolutely. And meanwhile, Jaharis was told that he needed, you know, Jaharis was learning how to be a good fighter and, like, mm-hmm. practicing in the yards, which was really, you know, it's important for him as a man under in Westeros to, like, be martial. But, like, mm-hmm. that means that, like, his skills don't apply. Like, the skills that Jaharis was given under patriarchy don't apply to the situation that he's asked to take care of. Right, but what what kills me about it is, is like you can do both. Yes, you know, of course, get you a king who can do both. <laughs> you know, you can. Uh, and one thing that I was always bothered me about the primary series with Daenerys is that um, Daenerys in the books is still very young. She's fourteen or fifteen as of a Dance with Dragon. I think she's yeah somewhere and around there. Yeah, I don't understand how once she became the last Targaryen, once Viserys got a uh, little boily, boily gold. Uh, <laughs> why someone didn't pull her aside and say you know we should teach you sword fighting because like even if it's just for your own Mm self-defense like not that you're gonna go to tourneys or any shit but like just so that you can like handle a sword like a normal person like we should do that because you're literally the last targaryen and like the target on you is just massive yeah it's the biggest threat as target Mm -hmm. and you're not always gonna have your knights around you you're not always gonna have your dragons available like you need to learn these things it it shocks me that Daenerys is not taught that in the books and it comes to her head in the bad show in the finale of the bad show when she's surrounded by zombies and she like grabs a sword and starts wildly swinging it and I remember watching that and being like this is why this is why she should have been taught the sword stuff mm-hmm. because this is it's like and it's crazy that she they just overlooked that if she was a man if yeah. she was a prince they would be 
all all over that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Aegon. (laughs) Or Aegon, however you want to believe, you know, whatever you want to call him. He was given that education. He was taught how to fight with a sword. Precisely because of that reason. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. that's one of the interesting things when you when you meet Aegon is like comparing his education to Danny's and going like, Mm -hmm. what are the things he was given that she was not that she's like had to learn the hard way? Um, Mm. as my girlfriend and I call it on hard mode, like she's, she's playing the game on hard mode because no one's giving her anything. And that means Mm -hmm. she's probably going to miss some things because no one's, no one's there to tell her, Hey, you should know this. Mm -hmm. She just has to like decide what she thinks is the best for her education and hope that she picks the right things that she needs. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the, the, uh, in the same way, but the opposite skill sets for Jaharis. Jaharis Mm -hmm. is clearly absorbed some amount of, you know, being able to socialize, mm-hmm. being able to negotiate. He's absorbed some of that from just being in court, from being with Alison, and then, like, just trying to be a good person. But, like you're saying, he's not trained in it. Mm-mm. And it's like, really, honestly, he should have gone north and Alison should have stayed and done the negotiation. <laughs> that would have been more fruitful, but alas. But alas. Um, I really like, we can, and we can talk about this more later when we get to Connections to a Song of Ice and Fire, but, like, the way that this could potentially connect to the end of A Song of Ice and Fire, like we've kind of hinted at before that um, mm-hmm. they do that Warza one with words that ultimately you have to negotiate in some way, that you can't mm-hmm. just keep fighting. Um, like that ultimately the conflict in A Song of Ice and Fire will, will end with some kind of treaty being led mm-hmm. by women specifically. Um, this is This shows up in other places throughout Fire and Blood, like especially right after the dance. There's this, like, mm-hmm. period of time where, like, all of, basically, like, most of the men are dead and the women are, like, out there negotiating and solving and creating peace. Um, right. And it, Alisanne is doing the same kind of thing. And I feel like Martin is setting up the possibility that, like, women are going to be really important in resolving the conflicts at the end of Saga, Rest, and Fire. I mean, and we see bits of that in the bad show with, like, mm-hmm. Sansa, Queen in the North, and yeah. um, Asha as the head of the mm-hmm. you know like they're like and he's setting up that like women are going to inherit really powerful positions and will be in mm-hmm. a position to negotiate with each other you have Ariane and Dorne like from the books you have Ariane and Dorne you have Sansa set up to be potentially inheriting but not just the north but also the riverlands the riverlands yeah um you have oh. Asha Greyjoy potentially you know gaining the power islands, in yeah. the Iron Islands like you have all of these mm-hmm. women being set up in positions of power that like Daenerys, Daenerys, Daenerys she rolls, rolls around. Yeah. Um, if Jane Westerling is still around, like you know, like there are like just mm-hmm. like there are places for women to be the ones left putting things together after the conflict. Mm-hmm. That feels very similar to the kinds of work that that Alisand does here, which is you know, yes. soothing and creative. Yes. Yeah. And I think maybe we keep tabs on that as we go through this book to see what the point of that is, if there is a point to that. Like, is is Martin trying to teach us something? Is the text trying to tell us something about patriarchy? Is it trying to tell us something about the differences between how men and women rule in a patriarchy? Why it's bad? Mm-hmm. I mean, because the, the point of, like, talking about your Harris and, like, him being um, hurt by his lack of education is really gets to our ultimate point, which is that the patriarchy is bad for everyone. Yep. You know, the patriarchy did a disservice to him by telling him if you swing the sword good enough everything will work out mm-hmm. well that's not really true because most of politics is not swinging the sword good mm-hmm. so you know yep 
it's, it's definitely i'd like to keep tabs on that that now that you've brought that up about um women making peace yeah and we saw yeah. it with visenya and reina or rainies like yes. during the conquest that like they were mm-hmm. they you know they went and negotiated that like mm-hmm. and less often it ended in violence yes exactly um because they're given skills that that men aren't um, so yeah, now we can, but let's talk about what did good queen Alisanne do? Yo, <laughs> I love this we shit, stand yo. a good queen Alisanne. Uh, the best, the best part of this like book so far, frankly. Uh, um, I, I have to, to, to restrain myself from just like straight up reading this, these two pages. It's like <laughs> the last, it's like the last two or three pages of this chapter where Alisanne comes back and she's like, holy fuck guys. Did you know about this right of the first night shit? And all the guys on the couch are like, uh, yeah. And she's basically like, look, I went and talked to all the ladies in the realm and everybody hates this. It's awful. And also it like just doesn't make sense religiously, which is true. She's just like, like knights and like with our whole culture, like knights are supposed to protect the virtue of maiden. And it's all, you know, very patriarchy language and very gendered language. Uh, but she's like, knights are supposed to protect maidens and, husbands and wives promise to you know love each other and be faithful to each other when they get married and then like a lord can come in and just commit a sexual assault and fucking nothing happens mm-hmm. and i i have some Id- i have some thoughts about how jaharis responds to this um but i'm curious what you think as to why why jaharis was persuaded because this is a major law uh-huh. to pass and i'm curious why why you think jaharis was persuaded here um i my instinct is to say that it is at least in part because of the argument that septon barth makes about the faith mm-hmm. oh yeah that's a good point i hadn't thought about that um because jaharis is very afraid of yes of that's the, the big fear that targaryens have because mm-hmm. the biggest power base that's a threat to targaryen power is the faith and mm-hmm. and septon barth steps in and is like um you know he basically like septon barth comes in and basically repeats everything that alisanne said um Mm -hmm. but then adds i know the faithful will be pleased his high holiness will let his voice be heard never doubt it like Mm -hmm. so he adds this argument about like you know the seven-pointed star he like he says like we swear our marriage vows before the father and the mother promising fidelity like he has this whole argument about like right also this is in line with the faith right Mm -hmm. um and the faithful you know and i feel like that that at least is in part of what convinces him convinces to harris is that is the argument that like yeah your the lords might be mad at you but like the faith is gonna love you for mm-hmm. this like that you can and, get yeah. the faith on board and like that's really important that the mm-hmm. that the targaryens like cultivate alliances with the faith that's a really good point i had not even thought about that what are your thoughts though uh, well so what i was thinking was i didn't think that Jaharis had strong feelings about it from the jump based yeah. on like little dis- little descriptors that are coming through so like um you know, he's talking about it, and it's like saying, like, he's becoming uncomfortable talking about it. I think Jaharis also just has, like, a hard time talking about sex in general. Because, mm-hmm. like, he doesn't ever, like, he's not, like, body or anything like that. No. I think he's just, like, a little bit of a prude. Uh, but there's a, at the bottom of page 270, the little, ta- the tags are, King Jaharis smiled at that, but it was plain that he was becoming increasingly uncomfortable. 
Mm -hmm. Um, The Ride of the First Knight is an ancient one, he argued, though with no great passion. And I'm like, okay, with no great passion. So I can imagine him being at the table and be like, well, The Ride of the First Knight is an ancient one. And but like kind of like not being like mm-hmm. you know like the, the right of the first night is ancient and we must respect it. He's just like well it's old, and I think he kind of was just like knew that once Allison has something like once Allison has a bee in her bonnet, there's fucking nothing you could do. Uh-huh. So he's like he knows he knows his wife at this point. Yeah, you know she's she's got something that she wants. He doesn't particularly care about it. Uh-huh. He's not practicing the right of the first night. Right, you know. Uh, he's not really into talking about sex anyway, so he's uncomfortable and wants to get out of this conversation. Um, and he's just looking around that table going, please, for the love of God, somebody give me a reason to agree. Yeah! Because he says that, and then the queen uh, responds. Then Alvin Massey responds. The queen responds. Benefer responds. And then Barth responds. And then Jay Harris says, well, I've been convinced. And yeah. then that's it. I think you're you right, because even at the very beginning... Um, after the queen tells her story, this really, like, truly, like, pretty upsetting story about, like, a young mm-hmm. woman in Molestown who'd, like, the the lord had practiced the rite of the first night after she got married to this, you know, man that she loved, and then afterwards, like, basically, he turned abusive. That she got, right. she got pregnant by the lord who had practiced the rite mm-hmm. of the first night and raped her on her wedding night, and, like, her new husband was mad about it. And mm-hmm. took it out on her because he couldn't take it out on the Lord. And this is patriarchy. And so you take it out on the women. And mm-hmm. she ended up um, leaving to live in Molestown because he was calling her a bunch of names and was basically like, you're a, you're a whore. And she was like, okay, well, then I'll go, you know. Yeah. I might as well live as one then. I might fine. as well live as one. Yeah. And it's just, it ruins your whole life. Yeah. yeah it destroys Absolutely. her life. And, it, and then, like, she tells the story and is like, we need to stop this. Like, this is the worst of the stories but there are lots of others this is like this is really bad and we should stop it and like all the men are like (laughs) a silence fell off that the queen had finished speaking the lords of the small council shifted awkwardly in their seats and exchanged glances until finally the king himself spoke up sympathetic but reluctant and it's that line Mm. that i think that like points to your right that he's like but he from the get-go he's like this is She's probably going to get her way, but, mm-hmm. like, I can't just give in, right? Like, and, like, yeah. a lot of his arguments are really, like, um, kind of weak, where he's like, it, it'd be hard. Like, literally, his first response yeah. is, this would be really hard to do. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, like, but there's love not, like, like, a moral objection that, like, his initial objection is just, like, this sounds hard. Which tells me that he's yes. deep, that he's already sympathetic to what she wants to practice. He's just thinking of the logistics. Exactly. So I mean, the, I mean, the story, the particular story that she brings them is so, so moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, about the the most town sex worker, like the the, because I mean, obviously, any sex assault has the has the potential to ruin someone's life it's the best language i can come up with right now off the top of my head right but to like be very impactful to a person mm-hmm. right um and oftentimes in a very negative way but allison can't come to them and be like i talked to the women and this happened to them and they all feel really sad you know the lords would be like oh do women have feelings you know like whatever <laughs> uh, but like having an example of like this is the practical effect that it had on someone's life this is the logistical practical effect mm-hmm. of why she is currently a sex worker in Molestown. right is because specifically of this practice. Right. There's no way to argue 
that that practice is good You're right in that circumstance right right because then she and, also, and then she yeah. brings up gargon the guest almost immediately afterwards it's like yeah remember that time that one dude who did this mm -hmm. a lot and like eventually people rebelled do you really want to do we really want to keep this around she this says, seems problematic and she says aren't there more like lords that are getting murdered over this and one of the councilmen is like yeah, we don't want to talk about it though. No one, no one wants no, to talk about no, it because no, we, we don't want the small folk getting ideas that they can just, you know, rebel against their lords for doing things they right. don't like. But they totally are. But they totally and are. I, really, I also really like the line when Jaharis is like, he. This is like towards the. This is his last like argument before he is he is convinced. You are not wrong, my love, but sometimes it is best to let a sleeping dragon lie. <laughs> and Alisan says we are the sleeping dragons. Uh huh. Oh, she's, fucking shots fired. She's got a lot of good lines in this, and I really yeah. want to believe she said all of this. And the fact that, like, Benefer and Septon Barth are in this room makes me believe that this is more likely to be accurate because you've got two people who we know keep accounts. Right, exactly. Um, Because this is I the agree. place where she's, like, um, um, asking about, like, you know, she, Alison is thinking, this is not just offense against, this is an offense against the king's peace, but not just the maid, but her husband as well. And the wife never forget. What does the wife mm -hmm. think about the men practicing the first night? Asked only Alison ever. Um, yep. What do these highborn ladies do whilst their lords are out deflowering maidens? Do they sew, sing, pray? Were it me, I might pray my lord husband fell off his horse and broke his neck coming home. Yep. <laughs> just like, oh, I love her. And I love, why must they slake their lust on maidens who have only just pledged their love to other men? Have they no wives of their own? Are there no whores in their domains? Have they lost the use of their hands? <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Alice, yes. please. Oh, yes. have they lost the they use of their it. hands? She's like, can't they just masturbate? Do they yeah. really gotta rape She's people? Like, can't they just masturbate? Come on. Yeah. And I just love that, like, she's... She's specifically, she's getting as close as you can get to, like, specifically describing sex. Mm -hmm. Probably knowing that Jaharis does not like that. Yes. And, but on purpose. Yeah. Right, because the more uncomfortable she makes him, the more he just wants to think, okay, okay, fine. Oh my god, it's like, the fine, same thing whatever. with the water. She's doing, like, the same kind of thing as she yeah. did when she was like, do you want to drink the sewage water? That's your only option. Mm -hmm. She's like, yeah. do you want me to keep talking about graphic des descriptions of sex? If yep. you would like to yep. make I'm this gonna... stop, mm -hmm. then, like, give me what I want. Then, then agree. <laughs> <laughs> I actually tend to think, like, if I was scripting this conversation for the TV, I actually tend to think that this is probably a toned-down version of what the conversation was. Mm -hmm. Because the I do think it's very similar to what the conversation was because of the fact that we have at least two people writing about it uh, here. Right. So we have two sources. But they're both, and they're both people that respect Alisan, but also respect Jaharis. Mm -hmm. So I imagine they might, they, I, they must have been, like, so, like, entertained by some of these zingers. Like, use, we, we are the dragons, use their hands, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I, she could have said worse shit that just didn't get written down because they didn't want to show, like, their king getting bullied. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. I think one of the things that I like the most about this is, um... What she says at the very beginning, this is part of her speech when she's telling them the story about the, the sex worker in Molestown. Um, she says, I see no honor in any of this. I knew such things happened hundreds of years ago. I confess it, but I never dreamed that the custom endured so strongly to this day. Mayhaps I did not want to know. I closed my eyes, but that poor girl in Molestown opened them. Like, this is how you be a good ally. Yeah. It's like, she's yep. not just saying, 
oh, wow, this is bad. She's like, I probably just didn't want to look at this because it made yeah. me uncomfortable. Like, she's acknowledging her own privilege in this situation. That, like, she hasn't suffered this way and she didn't want mm -hmm. to look at it. But, like, she mm – -hmm. it says so much about Alisanne that, like, when confronted by things that she doesn't want to see, she mm -hmm. decides to look and listen and learn empathy. And, like, this is how you use – power and privilege to help those less fortunate like she's such a good yes. example of that yes absolutely and she she not like you're saying she not only listens but she does something she says what can i do mm -hmm. there must be something i can do right and even in situations like when she went to reina on dragonstone a few you know some years ago and was trying to be like comforting to reina everybody was like no fuck you alison was like well I can at least get like the castle in order. I can like I can make it neat. Right. I can clean up. I can at know. least make you a casserole yeah. if I can't fix your feelings. Yeah, exactly. Like, listen, if you don't want it, it's in the fridge. You know. Uh -huh. it's like, <laughs> like she's just like, if anyone's a conciliator, it's Allison. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. I just like I love that she's like this is what dragons are for. Like again, as a mm. contrast to what happened with Jaharis. That, like, Jaharis is using dragons to threaten people to, like, get along. Like, please stop mm. bickering. Um, don't make mm -hmm. me get my dragon out. Um, yeah. And Alisanne is over here going, like, no, we are the sleeping dragons. Like, yeah. dragons are, are for the making yeah. the world better. Like, dragons mm -hmm. are for looking at systemic injustice and going we can fix that because we have dragons and if the lords don't like it they can go talk to my dragon about it mm -hmm. um exactly and this is the first time that we're not in, like the only first time but like a time where we're starting to see consistent improvement by mm -hmm. a targaryen in power using their power to improve the lives of westeros we saw it a little bit with rainies um mm -hmm. And part of what I what I feel when I read this is like, oh man, what would have happened if Rainies hadn't ended up in Dorne? That like Rainies could have done a lot of this from the beginning because we see that she has that same instinct that Alice Ann has of like, let me go and listen and make laws that improve the lives of others, particularly improve the lives of women. Yes, I mean because she did the rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. I mean I could imagine her doing similar similar stuff have we had any laws passed by jaharis passed some laws he does tax stuff yes. right? yeah they did some taxes mm -hmm. they haven't done any social justice kind of yeah. stuff that's all the ladies yeah that's all the ladies huh. what's interesting too about this section is um the it's not the first mention of dragon seeds but one of the early discussions of dragon seeds mm -hmm. the the maester writing this text is going to need dragon seeds to be okay uh -huh. for the dance of dragons yeah uh so the way they discuss it is they're like they're like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it really wasn't, you know, people were gifted. And the only person that says, like, it's not a fucking gift is Alison. Yep. Uh, and like, oh, you know, Jaharis was like, well, there are, you know, dragon seeds on Dragonstone. And there's like, you know, that, but it was always a blessing. And the families were given like money and shit. And Alison's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Alison is like, did you, you know? talk to the women? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I find it so I find it so interesting that they're like our magic targ blood. It's very important to protect the targ blood. And then there are just fucking Targaryen bastard children. Uh-huh. Just around. Just around. And like you'd think you'd be a lot more careful if you have magic blood that does only that only you can ride a dragon, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So one alas. would think, you know, that if one the targs were think. magic, they might, you know, not want to have bastards with any old person but 
Gretchen, they're obviously magic. Have you seen how white they are? <laughs> it means. <laughs> Have you seen how long they his must braid be is? Magic. Have you seen how long and thick his brain is? He's every inch a king, Gretchen. <laughs> Oh, I have so many options for episode title for this one. Uh, <laughs> I like every inch a king. Every inch a king. Um, Using his hands. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> one thing we haven't talked about, about Alison in the North. Let's talk about the weird mysteries of what the, the fuck is what going the on fuck with happened? the dragons in the North. Okay. I don't know, but I'm sure you do. Please tell no, me. No, I don't. That's one of them. Ah! Um, ah! Okay. One, I really love the shade. <laughs> So, Martin, at when Alisan goes from the from Winterfell to the Wall, he says the distance was not negligible, even flying. And I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, you're throwing shade <laughs> on the bad show, huh? Yep, yep. That bad show said teleport. Woo! <laughs> I just always love when Martin like like pokes at the bad show. It makes me yes, really happy, yes. and that's one of them where he's like, Look, the yes. North is really big. Okay, it's really fucking. You big. can't just like run a marathon. Yeah. Um, but what if you were the fastest runner? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, so. Oh my gosh, so many theories about what happens up here. Like, did Alison find or leave anything in the library? Did Silverwing lay eggs? I mean, everyone wants to think that if dragons go north, that like maybe they, they laid some eggs in Winterfell um oh interesting i I, I mean that would just be completely pulled out of nowhere there's no indication that that happened um i know that there are theories about does it is it explicit in the text about when jace goes north that they they think that his dragon might have laid eggs up there i can't remember not that i recall Um, uh but like anyway there's like a lot of there is like egg symbolism at winterfell but like it doesn't have to be literal you guys like John is what a John is a dragon. Is John is a dragon person. So if there's an egg at Winterfell, yeah. it's probably John. Like it doesn't have to be John. an actual egg. It can be a metaphorical egg. It could be a metaphorical dragon egg. And it could be Jon Snow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any dragons laid eggs at Winterfell. The only places black dragons have laid eggs is Dragonstone, where it's nice and warm, and Fair Isle, where it's based on geograph uh, it's Fair Isle's for the north and Dragonstone. But I mean they were at Fair Isle for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and those eggs are brought back to Dragonstone. Right. So, I don't know that we have evidence that dragons are laying eggs elsewhere besides Dragonstone, mm-hmm. like practically speaking. Right. Um, what I what I think is interesting about the fact that they go when they're in the north is that Silverwing doesn't like the cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Silverwing says, "I'm chilly." Hiss hiss. I'm chilly. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Silverwing's like, "It's very it's very cold up here, and I am I am made of fire." I don't like being yeah. cold. Which, like, fair. Mm-hmm. I also don't like being cold, and I am not made of fire. Right. I Silver just don't like, like being you cold. Did... Silver Rings like you did not bring my sweater, Mom. Like, what the fuck? Like, oh my god, now I'm imagining a giant sweater on a dragon. Like, when you Dude, like when you see so people's cute. cats that have, like, sweaters on yeah. them, I'm just imagining, like, a yeah, dragon yeah. with, like, a big turtleneck sweater on it oh my god that's what silverwing needed she needed a little sweater someone should knit silverwing a giant sweater (laughs) oh my god they can knit by the fire (laughs) we're in between socks just make a dragon sweater it's good right but like is there anything going on with why silverwing doesn't want to go beyond the wall that's one of the yes, that's one yes. of the big theories is like is it matt is it just too cold it's magic or is it magic no it's magic 
It's magic. Yeah. Silver. I said that Silverwing doesn't want to go. Silverwing can't go beyond the wall. This is my personal pet theory. Uh-huh. The wall is a magical barrier. Yep. And just the same way that the Whites and the White Walkers can't come south. Yes. The dragons can't go north. I absolutely agree. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That there's like yeah. magic involved. And we know there's that magic. like there was magic involved in building the wall. Um, mm-hmm. It's also really telling. Like we can come back to the Night Fort of like. Alisan mm. goes to the night board is like I don't know the vibes are all off super weird and it's bad like, vibes don't like it you know what's at the night fort there's a giant mm. magical weirwood tree gate at the night fort that might be making yep. your vibes feel weird <laughs> yeah maybe that's the bad vibe <laughs> the bad vibes is the giant mouth tree gate mm. that will swallow you whole and spit you out up north like, I'm trying to remember, when Sam and Gilly go to the Night Fort, they also describe it. Well, Sam also thinks it's haunted, yes. so it's kind of hard to know from his por- point of view whether he's, like, socially trained to be afraid of the Night Fort or whether there is, like, eerie magic happening. Mm-hmm. It could be a combination of both things. Right. Um, but I don't think Alison is special for noticing that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, like, Rick, like a Targaryen must... That's only a Targaryen can feel the vibe. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's like that. <laughs> I I think it's probably something that everybody can sense. Right. Um, I mean, probably I why just, it gets the reputation for being haunted is because everyone goes there and is yeah. like, I don't know, I feel weird. And it's probably why it gets abandoned mm-hmm. because it, it's it's like crumbling and falling down and partially abandoned before Allison even gets there. Right. So like people don't like to be in the va- bad vibe castle. Yeah. You know, so they're like, please, can I get reassigned elsewhere? Mm-hmm. Um so, I, I mean, I think it's just, like, she's, what what's happening is she's encountering some of this old magic. Yeah. And it's kind of the first time that this ice and fire magic mm-hmm. are in- interacting. Yes. Um, does anything happen because of that? Not not right now. Not right now. As far as I could tell. Nope. No. No. No, but it's, um, like, setting up things that will have payoff, I think, by the time mm-hmm. we get to the Winds of Winter. Yes. Yes. Well, because the, the, like, we all know the wall is coming down, right? Mm-hmm. Not because of the bad show, but just because, like, when you build a 700-foot impenetrable <laughs> wall, the only thing you can do in the story is knock it down. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're also worried about Old Town. When you build a really old city that's almost burned several times, right. the only thing you can do is burn it. Right. It's che- it's Chekhov's wall melting. Like Exactly. <laughs> When everyone's like, man, sure would be bad if the wall fell down. You're like, well, I mean, the wall's going to come down, right? Like, yeah, it's gonna, it's gotta, it's gotta, that's gotta be part of the story. And the question being who, who, whomst? Yeah. Whomst and how? Uh-huh. You know, is it, is it a horn that you blow? Is it a dragon that you make burn? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, because like, I, I always get like a little confused because like, with like, with three prong magic systems, so like, I'm gonna bring you all, y'all back. Let's go back to Pokemon. All right. Remember... <laughs> Fire, water, and grass type, okay, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> With a three-pronged magic system, it makes sense when, like, water is strong to fire, fire is strong to grass, grass is strong to water, and in reverse, they're all weak, mm-hmm. right? That makes sense. But in a two-pronged magic system, fire and ice, uh-huh. it's hard because they're both strong and weak to each other. Right. Yeah. And I get, so I'm like, okay, so if Silverwing can't fly over the wall, but would Silverwing be able to burn the wall mm-hmm. and destroy the magic? Like, it, like I get confused right. with the way the magic system works mm-hmm. in this universe. I don't, I don't know. I don't love it. I think it, we, I wish there was a third element. A secret third and thing. A secret third thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, a, there like could a be secret an, third an gender. 
Yeah, exactly. Or there could maybe the Avatar. They they they, they melt the wall. The Avatar emerges. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar's been locked in ice. Look, the Avatar's yeah. been locked in ice. Who knows? Aang yeah. could be in that wall. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the crossover we all want. <laughs> Welcome to the Avatar podcast. Yep. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think it's just spooky. Yeah. It's spooky. spooky. Yeah. I think it. Yes. I think that the Night Fort is spooky. And I do think that part of it is because there's like a very specific, powerful magic at the night fort that just like sends out spooky vibes. And it kind of gets back to what we were talking about, I think, one or two episodes ago about, um, you know, which magic is the bad magic. Uh-huh. Because the, the you know, the spooky gate is itself physically spooky mm-hmm. um, and gives you bad vibes. But does that mean it's the evil magic right yeah you know uh, or is the dragon the evil magic right i don't know mm-hmm. yeah i, I, I mean know, so George. far we haven't seen that gate like burning westeros destroying large swaths of westeros so far so i mean no it just protects the north mm-hmm. you know that's the other big question is was is the wall to protect this westeros the south or is it to protect the north mm-hmm. i tend to think it's to protect the north yeah if it, it fits with what yeah. we were talking about last like that what we've been talking about about um that maybe the white maybe the others are are like a defense mechanism and mm-hmm. trying to protect something that was being invaded um yeah and yeah that would be that would be very much like george to spend so much of the story being like you know, the heroes are on the quote-unquote right side of the wall, you know? Like, we're, prote- mm. you know, like, we're being protect. you know, this this wall is to protect us and to find out, like, no, actually, it's to protect the north, like, what's north of there. Mm. That, like, that's actually what's being protected. Um, that is mm. also where the children of the forest live. It's also, like, this kind of place where there is no modern, like, no, to them, modern civilization, it's like the wilds, mm-hmm. it's nature. It's primarily populated as if it's a natural environment with the beings who naturally live there. And like mm-hmm. under the, you know, in the narrative where like Westeros was invaded, Westeros is symbolic of a thing being invaded by outsiders is like, mm-hmm. well, what represents what it would look like without outsiders? Oh, look, it's the North. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh god i love it so much um so yeah i don't there's like there are lots of open questions about what could and couldn't happen here like with you know like alisan in the library or but i think that there's a lot that we just can't answer and that it would just be like tinfoil to speculate do, do people think alisan left something in the library i think that there are people who think she either left something or found something in the library that like the winterfell library seems to be like an important place where like information is stored and so are like did she find something there or did she leave something there that like i don't know that it means anything more than just wouldn't it be cool yeah exactly that's like i don't know where it gets us but like it would be cool if like like if the bad show had been a good show uh-huh. and imagine if the bad show had been a good show Ugh. if the bad show had been a good show and there were like people that like went to the winterfell library like ever mm-hmm. um and then there was like another spinoff with Allison, and she like leaves a book that then like you had seen in the good show. Like that would have, you know, uh-huh. it would have been cool. But I don't know that it right. gets us anywhere. Like maybe she left some early notes from Septon Barth about uh, dragons, worms, and wyverns. Yeah, 
she was like, yo, you guys are never going to believe this shit that happened. Mm-hmm. My niece burst from the side. Anyway. Um, All right. So um, who gets shafted this episode? Uh, I have Alaric's wife because this badass Mormont lady doesn't have a name in good George R. R. Martin fashion. The dead moms never have names. I want to know her. I want to know her name. Like, come on. Like, this is one of those where I just, like, yeah. I mean, I'm mad at at the Gildane also because, like, this is also the in-universe thing. But, like, a part of me is also like, come Mm -hmm. on, fucking George. Like, please give it. At least give her a name. Please. You can even make it something that we know, like, mage. I'm just like, oh, another mage. Like, come on. You have, like, ten names you use in the whole story. Just pick one. Right? Um, but it yeah. is a ref- also a reflection of Gildane's bias as a maester to just be yeah. like, oh yeah, Alaric had a wife. She was really cool, but like, pfft, she's dead. We don't care about her. Yeah, but I wonder how much George relies on that. Yeah. George's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's in-universe prejudice. So, okay, George. Right, yeah. Do you know <laughs> how many it. names I have to make up already? I don't want to make up more names. That was Sally Mormont. I don't know. Whatever you want. <laughs> yep. What's her name? Jennifer with a G. Yeah, G Y N N I F E R Jennifer. Yeah. Yep. Jennifer. There you go. Boom. Done. <laughs> Jennifer Mormon. <laughs> um, oh, all right. So we've got some connections to a song by some fire. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. The first thing I thought of was how much Alisanne serves as a model, both for the kind of queen that Sansa wants to be and the kind mm-hmm. of queen that Danny tries to be. Hmm. That's really interesting because Danny can't. Danny does try, mm-hmm. but oof, oof, does she not succeed? Yes, <laughs> right. Like, but she's some of the things that you see Alison doing. You're like, oh, Danny wants to do that. Hmm. She really gave it the good college try. Yeah, I think that that's a big connection. I think also like we were talking earlier about alisanne's like ability to use like courtesy like a, a woman's yes. armor is her courtesy is a quote from a sansa chapter yes um sansa is very much trying to employ that same thing mm-hmm. uh, and and do stuff to help people but when yep. sansa sees you know she also listens she's also very empathetic and when she sees people are suffering even if it's little things like sardanto mm-hmm. she'll like step in and see if she like if she'll use whatever agency she has yeah. to influence the situation yep. yeah yeah she's doing the like i i immediately thought of the the section where cersei is talking about like you have to make people fear you and sansa thinks like well i want the people to love me and it's like right yeah. well this is how you do it that's what mm-hmm. like alisanne was the kind of queen where the people loved her clearly she's the good mm-hmm. queen alisanne and mm-hmm. sansa is on track like like, Littlefinger is doing his best to corrupt Sansa into not being that. But, like, mm-hmm. Sansa herself wants to be the kind of queen that Alysanne is. Sansa has, like, a very a very solid, stable moral character mm-hmm. at her core. And I don't think is is corruptible from that in the way Littlefinger wants her to be. And I think Alysanne has a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Alysanne's always been someone who's genuinely concerned about the well-being of others. Right. Right. Yes, and we see, like you said, like with Sardantos, but there are other examples where, like, as soon as Sansa understands what other people's lives are like, she mm-hmm. has empathy for them mm-hmm. and kindness. And, like, she doesn't, for as much as, like, the fandom depicts her as being kind of, like, vain, she's not, mm-hmm. actually. Like, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, she's, when the story starts, she's naive, but she's 13. Yeah. So, yes. She's actually 11 <laughs> when the story starts. 
or 11. She's 11. Yeah, she's an 11-year-old literal child. Like, she's a baby yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But as soon as she, like, you know, like the, kind, like, the kindness that she has for Sandor, the way that she can listen to a story, mm-hmm. like, from this, like, brutal, violent man who had participating in harming her and is, like... Mm-hmm. That's a very sad story. Like that, like mm-hmm. so that she like hears other people's story and responds with kindness. Um, it's yeah. very much like Alice Anne. Um, and even though like she's not immediately drawn to living the life of those less fortunate than her, the way that Arya is, like I just want to you know run around in the mud and be dirty and like I wish I were a peasant, mm-hmm. even though she probably actually wouldn't enjoy being a peasant. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in some ways, um, like. Sansa still has compassion for the lives of those mm-hmm. less fortunate in a way that reminds me of Alisanne. Like, Alisanne is not like, you know what I want to do? I want to not be a Targaryen queen and I just kind of want to go off into the world and do whatever I want. The way that mm-hmm. Arya is like, I, you know, I just want to go off into the world and do whatever I want. I want to be free to kind of do my own thing and do things my own way. Mm-hmm. I want to be free of this system. Yes. Yeah. That like, yeah. Sansa is much more like Alisanne in going, okay, well, I'm in this system. How can I prove things within this system like i don't have to leave the system she wants to try and she we see evidence that she's the kind of person who would want to improve things within the system the way that alisanne is doing right exactly and by using the tools of the system mm-hmm. so i think one thing daenerys has that's difficult in comparison to sansa mm-hmm. um is that daenerys has the physical power like the dragons the, the violent aspect mm-hmm. that ladies quote-unquote in this you know patriarchy do not normally have Mm -hmm. and it's hard to reconcile those things it's hard to be like i'm a lady and i'm throwing parties and also i'm going to burn you with my dragon you know like it's very difficult to put those two things together and daenerys does not as of now succeed in that Mm -hmm. i mean her danny danny tan the last chapter of identity dragons is her realizing like yo fuck these parties i'm gonna burn shit with my dragons And it's sort of embracing that violence, which is like, you know, maybe more effective, but maybe not the best thing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we'll see how it unfolds in A Winds of Winter. But yeah, it's it's very different. I think um, that's a really good comparison is thinking about Alisanne as a, a protogenitor queen, sort of, I guess. Yep. Yeah, that could be yeah. both Sansa and Danny. Yes, that you can see elements of them in, you know, like there is no one female character who embodies Alisanne in A Song of Ice and Fire. I think that the way the Mar- like as is common with Martin is that like you see aspects of the character in other in several other characters that if you kind of smush them together they would all kind of fit this one mm-hmm. mold. So yeah, Danny mm-hmm. cuz like I'm also thinking about how Danny was with like the way that she learns what it's like to be a slave leads her to be like well no one should be a fucking slave. Fuck slavery. Yeah. Burn slavery mm-hmm. down is like yeah. the kind of thing we see Alisanne doing is like Oh my god, these women's lives. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Burn the first yeah. night. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, like get rid of the right of the first night. Like let's let's mm-hmm. you know, like as soon as she finds out what it life is actually like for people in this system, she immediately wants to correct it and make it better. Mm-hmm. And Danny has mm-hmm. that impulse and she has the power to do it in a way that Sansa doesn't. Sansa can only do right. it in these tiny little ways in her immediate environment. Whereas Danny can be like, burn slavery. Like, slavery yes. is bad. I have seen what the lives of these people is like. Like, let's get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that is more like Alisanne. Alisanne had the power to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting, though, because it's sort of, 
Alison had the power to be physically violent, mm-hmm. but she only ever employs the courtesy. Mm-hmm. Act- fuck, like the way, like, so, like she has the power that Daenerys has, right? But she only ever employs power in a way that Sansa does, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's very I, I like that they're kind of it's almost like Allison character was split into mm-hmm. Daenerys and Sansa right and them coming at it from those two different angles right right because Danny yeah. was never taught that's one thing to think about in the same way that Jaharis was never taught the skills Danny mm-hmm. was never taught these Danny same wasn't taught skills. anything I mean she was she was she's twelve when she marries Caldrogo or thirteen yeah thirteen um, I think yeah. Uh, she she wasn't taught anything. She's so she's so young. Yep. When the story starts. Yep. And so much is put on her right away. She learns through osmosis as best she can. Mm-hmm. But she's not like surrounded by really good counselors. She has no other women in her life at all. Right. To be role models. You know. Right. So she's just kind of put piecing it together. Yeah. Whereas Sansa's given all of these skills, but no power. Yes. So yeah, like that's. Well, Sa- Sansa is socially trained by Catelyn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anything Sansa succeeds at is an extension of Catelyn's training of her. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Then you have here the Pact of, Pact Ice, and of Fire. Ice and Fire. Okay, so this is another thing that it, that came up a lot in our um, in like the the circles that I ran in when I was doing. Um, it's not directly related to the kind of mythical astronomy stuff, but like it is a part of like fandom lore that there's this like always pay attention when you have people who are associated with fire, like dragon people, going north. Um, and it's what this means for Song of Ice and Fire and what we're going to kind of see at the end of A Song of Ice and Fire because we're once again going mm-hmm. to have Danny, a dragon person, going north mm-hmm. to Winterfell. Um, so there's this pattern and it doesn't show up very often because I think Martin is not is trying not to tip his hand too much, but like there are things that these moments in the story have in common. So um, it's usually about making peace or accord in some way. That like a dra- mm-hmm. like the like the Targaryens only ever really go north if they're trying to make a treaty of some kind or or like some mm-hmm. kind of like negotiating something like yeah whether or not it's directly an end to war but like if you're you're trying to make peace of some kind find some kind of like common ground mm-hmm. you're negotiating something um, whether by force or by words cuz sometimes it's by force but like most of the time it's 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 words like most of the time they're going to like talk to negotiate mm-hmm. um and very often there's a marriage pact the only time this doesn't happen is when Aegon is when Torrin Stark surrenders to Aegon there's no marriage pact there mm-hmm. but every other well, it's in the neck it's in the neck too it's not in, in the that, north yeah it's in the neck it's yeah. not even in the north but like every other time we see it there's some kind of marriage pact involved so you've got what's happening mm-hmm. here with Alisanne and Alaric. Alisanne is trying to marry off his sons to southern ladies. So she's trying to create a, ma- like, forging an alliance through marriage mm-hmm. between the north and the mm-hmm. south. Um, we see it with Jace in the Dance of Dragons. Jace, Jaceris Valarian, goes mm-hmm. north to visit Cregan. He might have married mm-hmm. Sara Snow, depending on which version you read. Full, full endorsed from my end, but um, we don't know. <laughs> but he definitely proposes a marriage between if he has a daughter in the future, he will marry that mm-hmm. daughter to Cregan's heir, Rickon Stark. So, like, yes. whether or not he marries Sara Snow, there is a proposed marriage pact alliance between the North and the South. Doesn't mm-hmm. come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Rhaegar and Lyanna. Rhaegar's going North. Mm-hmm. 
he ends up marry you know he ends up marrying liana and then you've got danny and john question mark but like Mm -hmm. you see this pattern of like a targaryen goes north and is attempting to forge some kind of marriage alliance with the north to like resolve any current or future tensions that might be happening between them Mm -hmm. um so there are like people have talked about whether or not like this marriage pact is a part of how you make peace between the magical like this magical war that's happening between ice and fire that like mm-hmm. the symbolism of like a like an icy person marrying a fire person is like meant to be like that's how you resolve this like that's how you stop fighting as people get married and that's how you resolve the conflict well it's also kind of like it's a drawing together of bloodlines mm-hmm. right so it's like if you have a firebender and a waterbender and they get married, uh-huh. then their kid, their kids can be all all kind of benders. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's about it's a, it kind of goes along with that concept of like um. We, I've kind of phrased it as the disempowerment of women disempowers us mm-hmm. all, but there's also I think the broader theme of the disempowerment of any group right. disempowers us all because as we're if we're separated we're weak, mm-hmm. whereas if we're together we're strong. So it kind of goes to that we're together we're strong kind of thing. If you've got two factions. Right that are against each other if you make them one mm-hmm. by like literally interbreeding them <laughs> yep then you've created one very strong faction mm-hmm. so yeah that's interesting yeah okay that, like potentially okay. whatever the war is like this war of ice and fire this conflict that like you know the others are coming and like the the dragons like whatever that conflict is might eventually be resolved with some kind of union that is symbolically whether literally or symbolically a marriage Mm-hmm. Um, which makes sense with, with how much we've been seeing that, like, marriage is so important in forging connections and binding people together that, like, mm-hmm. ultimately you don't resolve, resolve war with more violence. Ultimately what you have to do is, like, negotiate with words and, like, unite people together in a, in a dynamic that, like, like, in a bond. Like, you have to bond people, not fight people that like ultimately the Mm -hmm. resolution is in bonding people and like i think martin like symbolizes that very often in a marriage that like marriage Mm -hmm. is like a symbolic representation of like unification of peoples Mm -hmm. um having it like a like an emotional accord rather than like a you know like you you wouldn't have to have a literal marriage you could but you wouldn't like it's not literally about marriage it's just that marriage is symbolic of a resolution well, that involves, like, people coming together rather than continuing to fight. Right. Well, I mean, marriage is a marriage is an interpersonal contract, right? Yes. It's a, it's a Well, it's a legal contract, technically. But it's between two people. Like, it's the smallest version. It's the tiniest contract we have <laughs> between two people. Mm-hmm. But what you're trying to... And it's like that easily parallels larger negotiations right. and larger agreements, mm-hmm. right? When whole groups agree, when whole... Yep you know countries agree when whole whatever you know continents agree right it's the same thing it's a promise to do something if the other person also promises to do something mm-hmm. um which yeah i mean that's part of getting getting unity and getting peace mm-hmm. because if you're all on one side if there is only one side yeah there is no one to fight uh-huh yeah. yes hmm. yeah um so there are, so there are some theories about like what that what that implies for how a song of ice and fire is going to mm-hmm. resolve that there we might get another pact of ice and fire where 
there is a marriage, like maybe a literal marriage, but maybe also a symbolic one where like that, that that's how ultimately things are resolved is with like mm. a war. You solve the war with words in a marriage and everyone, you know, everything yes. ends kind of in this, the way that this chapter does is like the promises of marriage and then, you know, people uniting with each other. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how. I don't know how hopeful Martin is that that's ultimately going to resolve the conflict, but like, you know. Uh, wait a minute, Gretchen, I'm realizing now. Are you saying that there's not going to be one big bad guy who storms into Winterfell and we defeat him by poking him in the tummy with a tummy dagger? I think that, yeah. Is that, uh-huh. is that what you're saying? That, that That's not going to happen? You don't stab the one zombie and all the other zombies disappear and then your problem's solved. But it's, but it's chess rules. If you <laughs> capture the king... <laughs> you win uh, uh, oh anyway anyway uh, that actually leads pretty right. naturally into i want to like now that i've kind of laid some groundwork about symbolism i can start poking at it whenever i find it just so people can play with it um mm-hmm. because you see it with like alisanne here is like a fiery person she's associated with dragons she warms mm-hmm. alaric he oh. melts he's this like frozen icy like um he's rigid and cold he hasn't like like there's the quote that he like he hasn't moved his bowels since he was 12 years old like yeah (laughs) you put it all together and he seems like he's dead like Mm. he's symbolically pictured as like a frozen man um who may or may not Mm -hmm. be alive Mm -hmm. i don't know like if you don't shit for 12 years like since you're a kid like the only people we know who do that are dead people um but anyway Mm. he's like depicted as like frozen and cold mm-hmm. and like Alison is this like locus of warmth that like she mm-hmm. warms him and melts him and like thaws him so like you get this like mm-hmm. ice and fire symbolism of like she's a fiery woman and he's an icy man and mm-hmm. um anyway like that's like she's symbolically playing the role of that like fiery woman that we've talked about like mm-hmm. um and then we have like um, for example, a statue of Alisanne in the hall outside Deep Lake. So Deep Lake is the castle that gets built when Alisanne is like, I'm going to send you, like, I'm going to give you some of my jewels to build a new castle at the wall. Right. Um, and they build mm-hmm. Deep Lake. And it says that there's a statue of Alisanne outside the hall. And I'm like, oh, it's a frozen lady. Yeah. She's a, she's she's frozen in time there. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. that too when I read that. I was like, mm, yep, she's frozen. She's that doing. like, she's a woman mm. frozen in a tree tower, like. You know, mm-hmm. you're trapped. A woman trapped somewhere, mm-hmm. yeah. Trapped in the north. Hmm. Um, at the end of the cha- like, at the end of the chapter, we get this fun symbolism where it says like the leaves are turning russet and orange and gold, so they're looking like fire. Mm-hmm. And it says the ladies of the court wore gowns to match. So you've yes. got burning trees and burning women mm-hmm. in the autumn as winter is approaching. All of the trees are burning. Mm-hmm. Um, like. I'm not going to draw, like, a line and say, like, there's, like, a narrative about the symbolism here. It's more just to say, like, Martin throws this stuff in all the time. Once you, like... Right. And these kind of details are intentional. Yes. You know, like, when you're when you're writing for anyone out there who's ever written anything fiction, like, when you're writing a story, like, you're including details on purpose. And I, I was actually really interested in the, the visual of the leaves are turning... These, you know, these red colors and the women start wearing mm-hmm. also like red and fall color. Yep. I mean, and then we do that in real life too. We wear like, you know, burgundy is a fall color or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it has like a natural progression. It's not unnatural or, or weird for them to do that, but it definitely felt important. Yeah. Like 
there like it's part of this this symbolism particularly with like the burning trees mm-hmm. and this ice especially in this section of this chapter that has all this ice and fire shit going yes. on yes Yep. You know, def- definitely. Yeah. yeah. These are just like yeah, things like to look for. And you shouldn't be surprised when you see other ice and fire shit that you're going to have like some frozen women and probably some burning trees and some burning women. And like he doesn't mm-hmm. do a lot with the sun and moon in this section, but like that's other symbolism that you can start to look for because the moon tends to be fairly icy and the sun mm-hmm. is fire. So you'll fire, see like yeah. those things will often show up um, in that. So like, yeah, I'm just sprinkling this in and y'all can start playing around and noticing that like once you see that like martin has what we called in the fandom a symbolic language that he's got like his own language of symbolism that points to some of his like mythology that he's dealing with like that you'll start seeing it everywhere that he just like sprinkles it in and it doesn't have to be like an allegory or anything it's just that's the language he's using like so, you well sometimes just the sometimes just the visual is yes. enough. I mean, when you're when you're reading a text, part of what the text is trying to get you to do is imagine shit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just the visual yeah. representation, you know, the fact that there's just there are descriptions of Alaric, you know, being warmed by her melting or whatever. Like when you imagine Alison, you imagine her. I mean, I imagine her in warm colors. I imagine mm-hmm. her her hair is a honey color, right? Because yeah. we pull her hair is honey, honey blonde. She's got blue eyes. She's like smiling she's like a, a warm person mm-hmm. emotionally and physically color wise looks warm in my brain because that's that's the words he's choosing to yes use. yeah so mm-hmm. absolutely um and I then of course detail. he ends this chapter with like the super ominous like but winter's coming winter is coming <laughs> i get it george i get it <laughs> yeah he just can't resist because this is so much a part of what he's doing is like so his symbolism comes from nature symbolism and it comes from the cycles of nature like mm-hmm. um it's very pagan in that way of like what we think of as like you know actual pagan like with a capital p like it's it's based mm-hmm. in the cycles of nature that like once mm-hmm. like the the real root of a lot of the symbolism of like burning trees and frozen trees and like the sun and the moon is like it's about the cycle of the season right like summer is fertile and you know like mm-hmm. abundant and then autumn is the season of dying, and then that turns into winter, which is the season of death, and then spring is the season of rebirth. So you have this cycle of, like, life, death, rebirth, life, death, rebirth. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not doing anything totally different. Like, in, he's doing something very common with a lot of ancient mythologies, which is that yes. a lot of ancient mythologies are based in the cycles of nature. <laughs> like, because mm-hmm. it's, exactly. it's the rhythm of our human lives is, like, life, death, rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. see it every year. Um. And so he's doing that here. So he like I just he can never resist whenever he's like it's abundant and then he's like but also death. Remember, mm-hmm. like you cannot actually have an eternal summer. Like eternal summer right. is bad. Like you like that like this cycle is an important part of how mm-hmm. we live and function in the world. Um mm-hmm. but I also think my personal pet theory is that 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 is connected to the fact that I think that he believes that humanity is always going to struggle with maintaining peace and justice. That, like, we yes. as humans cannot live in an eternally just society. Like, I think that Martin is, like, hopeful but pessimistic. Like, I think George wants to believe that we could do better, but, like, a part of him is like, I don't know that we can. I think, I think that's, yes, I agree. And based on just, like, you know, observations of human history. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there are long stretches of time where we do great. Yep. 
And then there are times that we do not agree. Uh-huh. And nothing is permanent. Yes. You know, the fact that nothing is permanent is a theme of his work mm-hmm. and a theme of real life. That's just how it is. And the, the fact matters, particularly in A Song of Ice and Fire, when we get into people's heads, we get to see how much internal work is necessary to make anything external happen. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. when you're, you're, you know, when you're Jamie in the Riverlands trying to fucking, like, make peace and get this fucking castle and be done, how much internal work Jamie needs to go through himself mm-hmm. before he can be truly influential in any real way. You know, I, and I, I think that's a lot of what he's playing with. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes we succeed and sometimes we do not. Right. Right. And, like, the, yeah. the long reign of King Jaehaerys is going to um, be very swiftly followed by the dance of dragons like whoopsie doodle whoopsie doodle. <laughs> oops like <laughs> we go from like the time of great peace to a time of great conflict and like that's you know martin's mm-hmm. doing this cycle which is why he always has to put in something like but winter's coming is like no yeah. matter how you know fertile the summer or how golden the autumn winter's coming like mm-hmm. hardships coming injustice is coming like yeah like there is no permanent good king there is no, oh, right. but also no permanent bad king. Like, injustice doesn't last mm-hmm. forever, but also justice doesn't last forever. Like, that is, like, the nature of living human in human existence is that, mm-hmm. you know, it is good to remember that injustice will not prevail, but also good to remember that, like, it is very likely not possible for us to maintain perfect justice forever. That, like, we just can't get there. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't know what he would say the solution is because he hasn't finished his book. Um, I know what I, I don't know that he has one. <laughs> right. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that he has a solution. Um, I mean, I would just for me, I would say, like, I don't know that the goal is perfect justice forever because I, I agree with Martin. I don't think it's possible for us to have mm-hmm. a perfect world. I think the goal is to have as good a world as we can for, like, the most number of people possible. And also that we try and keep the justice part longer than we have the injustice part you know like let's yeah. have let's have more good queen alisans than we have mad king Ares. and like let's ha- let's yeah. have the reigns of the bad kings or the bad societies be shorter and the reigns of the good ones mm-hmm. be longer and that's probably the best that we can hope for yeah exactly i mean it even comes you can even think about it like internally in terms of your own emotion i think particularly in the united states the, our culture is so like be happy be happy be happy and it's like if you're not happy something's wrong mm-hmm. and it's like no 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 if you're a human you're you're supposed to feel all the gamut of emotions mm-hmm. that your brain is designed to do all the things you can't feel happiness unless you also have days when you're sad or unless you also have days where you're perfectly average mm-hmm. and the goal is not to be happy all the time the goal is to be like average <laughs> and more more happy than sad mm-hmm Right, you know. Right, and and be be sad appropriately when there's things to be sad about. By all means, be happy appropriately, and try not to be cruel to other people and impact their happiness. Right, right, or like you know, I. That's pretty much it. I've got trauma triggers, and like through my my mm-hmm. healing journey with trauma, and not everyone would agree with me, but just for me personally, like my goal is not perfect healing because I mm-hmm. I don't think I can be perfectly healed. Not because I'm a pessimist, but I. I feel like because I'm a realist about my own life is like, I don't think there will ever be a time where I won't be triggered by the things that were done to me. But my Mm -hmm. goal is to make those moments less intense and Mm -hmm. of shorter duration. 
Yeah. And, 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 and I'm looking at this and going like, well, yeah. we do the opposite with like the times of joy and and prosperity mm, and feeling exactly. good. It's like we want to make we want to increase the intensity of those feelings and we feel really good more and for longer but like not forever mm. because we can't like <laughs> we don't live that mm. way humans don't exactly and it's unfair to expect perfection mm-hmm. you know and i think it's, it's very counterintuitive for like people that have um like depression or or whatever or just I, just a person who is neurotypical to yeah. expect yourself to be always perfect mm-hmm. is going to damage you more than just accepting right that you're a person and and this is how you feel things, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to just have a day where you say, "All I'm going to do today is play Rimworld and do nothing else." It's fine to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you... I say that to myself all the time, and then I do play Rimworld all the time. <laughs> right, and that, I mean, and I think that's the wisdom that like Martin is tapping into about like the wisdom, yeah. like the wisdom present in things like nature symbolism and looking at the natural world and going, "Well, how does it function?" Is that it can help us look mm-hmm. at ourselves and be like, "Well, yeah, winter's normal," like. Mm-hmm. You can't actually, like, without winter, like, like, the world wouldn't function without winter. Like, exactly. You need, you need winter to have spring, summer, and fall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't just, you can't just skip it. You need, you need it right. as part of this. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things that's really interesting about this, too, in terms of Martin's work is sort of that because he's created a world that's so old, mm-hmm. he can tap into that kind of, like, ancient aeons thing, which I love. Mm-hmm. I love me, like, a, like, give me a really old fucking tree, dude. Yeah. Like, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and it's kind of very comforting. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I find it comforting to think about the fact that these, while nothing is permanent, these cycles are not only universal but consistent. Right? right? That it's, like, these things that are, like, these going from good to bad or whatever, however you want to judge it, is something that is is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And no one has done anything wrong to make these things happen. It's just, this is just the nature of it. Right. You know, that's the nature of nature. It's the nature of politics. It's the nature of human emotion. I mean, down to the microcosm of the individual all the way up to mm-hmm. the eons of the world. Yep. This is the, the nature of how things are. Yep. And the problem with, I like that because because what it highlights is that the problem with, with, westeros that the problem with this world is that it's out of balance Mm. yeah is that is like whatever Mm. happened has created a like Mm -hmm. a world that is on the macro scale out of balance you have these like you shouldn't actually have like 10 years of winter or even 10 years of summer like that's not healthy Mm -hmm. like it's created like a system like this westeros not just Westeros, but Planetos is out of balance on that macro scale and then also mm. on the societal scale of, like, patriarchy. And I like that that means that it's picturing patriarchy like it's this out-of-balance system mm-hmm. that, like, you should never yep. have one be stronger than the other. You should never have, you know, like, men are inherently mm. powerful and women are inherently weak. Like, you shouldn't have a system, like, either in your natural world and your or in the, the gender dynamics that he's depicting. Like, they're all out of balance. Yes. We're like, yes, exactly. And you can see that imbalance in the individual. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in the way that their brains are, are have patriarchy brains. Yes. Their brains are so warped mm-hmm. by just being present within this imbalance. Right. Oh, I love that. Right. Right. And there is a, there is a way to oh. fight that imbalance that creates an imbalance. And I think that that's kind of what he's doing with the yeah. ice and fire thing of like, mm-hmm. yes, you know, fire shouldn't be dominant but there is a way to fight it that would just invert 
the system and then mm. ice would be dominant and you shouldn't have that either like you like you need to mm-hmm. actually find a way where like they are equal and balanced so like mm-hmm. there is a way to fight a power imbalance that just creates a power imbalance in the opposite direction um, right exactly yeah it's what came up for me when i think about um house of the dragon about like mm-hmm. there is a way to use violence that is just violence there's a way to use violence that is liberatory but even yes. in the liberatory quest for violence, you can create a new system of violence that is mm-hmm. equally destructive. And it's like a fine line and it's hard to find that balance of like, mm. yeah, power can be liberatory, but power can also be destructive on both sides. And I, I guess the question is, and I think we've talked about this in previous podcasts, we don't have to go into an, in a ton of detail here. Um how is there a way to strike that balance or does that is like the end of westeros going to be just the elimination of magic Mm. and i know i think your position on it used to be that it was the elimination of magic is that you're still your position i tend to lean that way that like yeah that yeah that there might be or that magic might at least be very much diminished by the end of the story Mm. at the very least um i don't know i haven't decided on that one i've thought ever since like i think that you brought that up on a podcast maybe on on a bash book snobbery like years ago and ever since then i've been like is magic gonna be gone from westeros (laughs) i'm like very worried about it i'm like oh no planetos won't have any more magic (laughs) no but they need dragons they're so fun Mm -hmm. they're shiny lizards they need their shiny hot pets (laughs) 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 oh man Anyway, all right, I think we did a, a great job talking about themes and symbolism there. That was awesome. Um, all right, so next time we are beginning the next chapter, The Long Reign. This is gonna. This is a long chapter, and it's going to take us all the way through the end of Jaehaerys and Alysanne's reign. It's like 60 nice. pages. Holy shit. It's a very long chapter. So we're going to start, and we're going to go to page 283. Yeah. Uh, if you have a physical book, and if you don't, it's the second to last paragraph. Uh, that ends with that's where they keeps the bread. Oh, I remember this section. I love this section. Mm-hmm. Okay, and remember, guys, our email is House of Fire and Blood Podcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram is House of Fire and Blood Podcast. Uh, and until next time, remember, um, if the castle's vibes are off, just build a new one. Just move out. Mm-hmm. Just build a new one. So you don't have to... Don't question the vibes. Don't try to figure out why the vibes are off. Just peace out. Yep. No bad vibes. It's like vibes. if you find a spider in your apartment. Just burn it down and build a new just one. Just leave. Just leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And also remember... um, This is a personal one for me. Uh, Queen Alison can rummage through my library anytime she wants. Just saying. <laughs> just welcome. Oh, man. I love that. <laughs> I love her. She is welcome to my library. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she can. I, too, am every inch a king. So, yeah, she can. Hey. Hey. Do you get it? We're 12. We're a very professional podcast, everybody. Very big professional podcast over here. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. recording we are we recording sure are. the podcast um i had a funny story for you unless you have another funny story yeah no tell me um so you often see me on on our 
our stream here. What is this video call here? I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> we're recording this an hour earlier than normal, oh so we're gosh. both a little tired. Uh huh. Um, I I eat hard boiled eggs a lot. Yes. And uh, whenever I'm by myself, I do, I do this thing where when I crack the egg open, I get my like old Amon Targaryen voice on, and I go, "Egg, I dreamed I was old." <laughs> alone the other day i was with my partner and i did it in front of them and they're just like looking at me like what the fuck did you just say <laughs> oh my god and i'm like i'm like you don't understand that's a really funny joke <laughs> right let me let me explain this tv show like, and five yeah. books to i'm like hold on remember a song of ice and fire okay sit down i have a powerpoint listen <laughs> I just put on this like terrible old man voice and croak oh egg. I dreamed I was <laughs> Oh my god, that's perfect. Yeah, if you don't have context, that's just like what? So fucking weird. Why are you talking to your egg? Oh I'm like, I'm so sorry. You can go home whenever you want. You don't have to be here anymore. <laughs> you know what? You live here now. I'll go I'll go elsewhere. <laughs> You, this is your place now. I yeah. will slink away in shame. It's fine. I will see myself out. I've lost the privilege to live here. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was my funny story. That's great. As okay. soon as it happened, I was like, Gretchen would understand. I would. 